Sleepy town set on it for the night Where every lawn is tailored just right And it's about time that the back porch light comes on Hey, Witch Hey. Hey, Witch Hey. What's going on? I'm Justina. I'm Christina. Welcome to Magnolia Street, your one and only musically inspired practical magic fandom podcast. Every week we deep dive on different aspects of the movie and the books, as well as treat your ears to our very own practical magic inspired original music. And we have another original song coming up, kind of spinning off of this episode. Awesome. Yeah. We haven't had a song episode in uh, a little bit. Since the Gary. Yeah, Yeah. since December. So yeah, this week we're jumping into kind of a seemingly random topic. However, this is actually perfect timing because like newsflash, did you know that February is actually known as Pancake Month? That's right. According to nationaldaycalendar.com, every year at the end of February or beginning of March, National Pancake Day raises money for charity. IHOP restaurants began National Pancake Day in 2006, and since that day, they have raised close to $30 million for charities. In 2024, IHOP will be celebrating National Pancake Day on February 13th. So depending on when we edit this, it may or may not have happened already, but the whole month of February is generally Pancake Month. I did not know that. Neither did I. (laughs) Good timing. Right? Yeah. But people from around the country will once again, they'll celebrate uh, free pancakes at IHOP restaurants and guests are asked to consider leaving a donation and the charities that IHOP benefits are dedicated to finding cures and eradicating life-threatening diseases that affect children and families including Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and Shriners Hospitals for Children and that's just to name a few and I think those charities were just specific to it. I think it was an IHOP somewhere in New Jersey but I guess they all uh, have something special that they do? Different charities maybe? I'm really not sure but I guess <laughs> really cool check with your local ihop and see what you know who they benefit and see if you can help out you love slamming some pancakes i fucking love ihop (laughs) i do they have the best syrups because they have like the different flavors Mm -hmm. i love i'm such a freaking old lady butter pecan is like my go-to flavor for syrup for coffee for ice cream are you a southern belle i might be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, however, this seemingly modern secular celebration actually has pagan and Catholic origins that date back to 1445, a celebration called Shrove Tuesday. Yeah. And we're going to tell you all about that in just a little bit. But first, let's talk about pancakes and their place in the Practical Magic film as well as the books. The first time we hear about pancakes in the film is when Sally is a little girl and she's working on her Amasfiditas love spell in the conservatory. She wishes for qualities in a man that couldn't possibly exist because if he doesn't exist, then she'll never die of a broken heart, like her mother and all of the other Owens women the aunts would tell her about. One of those qualities that she wishes for in a man is that he can flip pancakes in the air. Yeah, what she doesn't realize, though, is that the man that she is, quote, cooking up, no pun intended, (laughs) he actually does exist, albeit at the time she wishes for him, Gary, is also just a child. But when they're both grown up and the stars align and they finally find each other, she'll find out that he can, in fact, flip pancakes. And he actually upped the ante on her request because not only can he flip pancakes, he can flip saguaro cactus Yeah, cute. And the other impressive thing that sticks out in my mind about Gary's hidden talent is that it appears that he makes these cactus-shaped pancakes without a mold, right? Yeah. Did you have 
he molds in the movie of him like pouring the pancake into like a cactus shaped something oh, no and that shape oh. doesn't seem easily flippable right Right. It doesn't even seem like easily, I guess, formable. Like if you just pour mm. pancake batter in a pan, gonna... I don't think it's making a saguaro shape, right? Gotta get that aga stove piping hot. <laughs> maybe the yeah, maybe the aga stove gave him some special saguaro cactus-shaped pancake flipping abilities. Could I don't be. Know. Oh, that's a fun theory. What if like outside of the Owens house, his pancakes are just like regular shaped? But <gasps> since he flipped them inside and that's where Sally cast her Amos Vedita spell, they just like took on the shape of these saguaro cactus just to impress her. What if he can't flip pancakes outside no. of Owen's house? <laughs> that would have been some shit. Oh, wow. What if what if the Owen's house gave him those magical abilities just to make Sally see that he is in fact like the one for her? Yeah, those attributes are just magnified in the house. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's I want to try to make some Soro cactuses next time I make pancakes. Yeah. But I only have buckwheat pancake mix right now and it's fucking weird looking. It's like a gray brown, but it was free. So <laughs> I'm making I it. Have the buckwheat. But Avi sometimes he gets those like protein pancakes. It's like weird. It's not like regular flour. They're like okay. higher in protein. They taste a little more like eggy. <laughs> Which he is allergic to apparently. Which, yeah, so that's why for a while he had to um find a substitute but now like it's just like actual egg that he was having a reaction to if it's baked into stuff it's not as bad okay where's he stand on deviled eggs he likes deviled eggs he loves them okay yeah, that they're yeah. not a problem no i think like now he's fine but he's gotta have eggs in moderation like before when he just got the allergy it was like very flared up so he had to stay off the eggs for a really long time like a this is such a like a year or two a big topic for us we've talked about his yeah. egg allergy well he was like throwing back hard-boiled eggs every fucking day because he was going to the gym and I guess he was like trying to up his protein and that's just like a really easy way because like sure. an egg is just so easy to, to eat yeah. instead of like a whole bowl of like Greek yogurt is so heavy mm. like yeah. eggs are just a simple source of protein he was just grabbing them on the go just, we just pop them in back. but I guess he was doing it every single day and it caught up to him and he, wow he, yeah he that sucks for a really long time but he could have eggs now but just like you know in moderation <laughs> okay yeah. but we're not talking about eggs well yeah I was talking about the protein pancakes because they have more of an eggy flavor and not so much like the wheat flavor that we know like pancakes like mm. the fluffy pancakes interesting are they yellow no they're like i guess like a regular color but they just don't taste like the same they're not the oh. same he bought okay. like a whole box of them and i think we we tried them and i was like yeah these are good but i don't think i could like substitute my regular pancake intake with this bullshit <laughs> <laughs> they're not slammable no. All right. So going back to Gary, it seems as if he just pours the batter into the pan and these cactus shapes just magically take form. Is this his own form of, quote, practical magic, right? Mm -hmm. We did say in a past episode that Gary is in fact a witch in his own right. So maybe that is his magic. Just He's a kitchen witch. A kitchen witch flipping the pancakes. He's like right. the barefoot contessa. How about that? I love her. I was watching <laughs> her a lot the past month. I know. Yeah. All right. That whole scene when he actually flips the pancakes comes a little later on in the movie, right? When he goes to question Sally and Jillian about their association with the Jimmy disappearance. Right. So that comes later on when, you know, they're adults and Gary comes to town and he just meets Sally for the first time. But it wasn't Jimmy's whole disappearance, right? It was her letter that actually brought him. Right. So, That's what our theory is. Yeah. So we see Gary come into the Owens home when he goes to the house for breakfast and little Antonio answers the door and she goes you came for breakfast we're having pancakes <laughs> Gary's like no actually you just came here to talk to your mom and she goes great she's having pancakes too come on in she's adorable 
cute. So yeah, they make the pancakes. There's that Amos Fiditas line in the spell where she goes, he will whistle my favorite tune. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're doing whistling that. whistling away. They're, they're actually not whistling, they're humming. Oh, they are humming. You're right, right. right? Yep. They're humming. And I was like, okay, he's not whistling it though. That was, <laughs> you said whistling in your spell. So it's a little off. But what's the name of that song that they're humming? I think it's know? called Old Grey Mare. Old Grey Mare. Yeah, we'll have to chat about that, that song mm-hmm. at some point. But um, yeah, they're humming that tune. He's flipping the saguaro pancakes. They go out to the, the garden and they're eating the pancakes. We don't actually even see anybody eating pancakes. They're just serving. Yeah, we don't, right? They're just, they just serve it up, right? I think in the special features, there's a scene of Griffin Dunn talking to Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. And she's like, so forget the bacon. <laughs> she's like, yeah, you're a, you're a kid who hates bacon. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about the breakfast scene. Yeah, I never met a kid that hates bacon. I fucking love it. Oh, I love bacon. So love it. How do you like your bacon? Pretty dang crispy. Okay, uh, in the words of Agent Dale Cooper, cremated, right? <laughs> Exactly. Burnt too crisp. Yeah, Avi despises my uh, taste for bacon because he mm. likes it a little grizzly, a little more fatty, mm. less cooked. But I'm like, just fucking murder my shit. I want to pick it up and I want it to crumble. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I want it to turn back to dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes the fatty parts like so much better. I don't know. I just like the texture. Me too. I love a crispy piece of bacon for sure. Awesome. Um, but that's funny that uh, Evan Rachel Wood was talking about bacon in, mm-hmm. the, in the commentary. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that part. That's cute. But then we don't see them eat the, yeah, the pancakes, but we see them throw it. them away into the trash. <laughs> right? After the yeah, scene. Yeah, they never actually. What a waste. What a waste of all those good pancakes. Right? Yeah. But aside from the pancakes, what goes so good with pancakes is that cereal. We don't know what Jillian put in that syrup, so we don't. What episode was that? Oh yeah, it's uh, episode forty-three. We talked about the nigella that they put in the syrup, and we kind of deconstructed that whole yeah, uh, apothecary closet scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Jillian makes her special nigella syrup, whether or not it's to send Gary away or to kill him, we don't fucking know. But <laughs> she made the syrup. The girls threw it in the ocean or the bay or whatever, and they never ate the syrup either. So that entire pre- breakfast was, in fact, a wash. <laughs> that decanter is. So- so cute also uh-huh. isn't that what that little picture that it's in or a crazy boat hucked it in the bay yeah the, the entire thing what if that was a family heirloom kids but they never ate gary's beautiful cactus shaped pancakes they threw them all but away. it's funny sally's reaction you think as like a buttoned up single mom parent kind of controlling yeah. in a way your kids yeah. throw something into the ocean and she just she just laughs it off which is really refreshing like yeah. eh, oh well i guess they like, didn't we have all this that. money we'll just buy another one right yeah if that was a family heirloom and the aunts came home and they're like where Where's my pancake syrup gravy boat? Yeah, gravy boat. I'm sure they'll be pissed. My pancake gravy. My pancake gravy. Where's my boat? But yeah, so that's the pancake scene. Uh, But now we're going to talk a little bit about the books because pancakes do make a little bit of an appearance in the first book. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Not so much in the other, well, they're not in like two books at all, any source Mm -hmm. of like any kind of pancakes, but they don't go by the name pancakes in Magic Lessons, which we'll talk about in a little bit. There's other allusions to pancake-like pastries, but in their own right. They're not really pancakes as we know them, I think. Okay. Yeah. So in book number one, Practical Magic, this is on page 92. So this says, in honor of Kylie's birthday, Sally has fixed pancakes and fresh orange juice and fruit salad topped with coconut and 
raisins. Early in the morning before the birds were awake, she went out to the rear of the yard and cut some of the lilacs, which she's arranged in a crystal vase. The flowers seemed to glow as if each petal emitted a plum-colored ray of light. They're hypnotizing if you look too long. Sally sat at the table staring at them, and before she knew it, she had tears in her eyes and her first batch of pancakes had burned on the griddle. So they're making those pancakes in the books too. That little salad sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Sounds it sounds very refreshing. Good. I miss summer. I know. Me too. A summer morning when you wake up and it's already kind of like dense outside and you're like, oh, it's going to be a hot one. Yeah. Walking yeah. around barefoot. Have some mm. nice refreshing fruit salad on the- Mm-hmm. With coconut? What is it? Coconut and what? Raisins? I could skip the raisins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't need no raisins. <laughs> so page 94. Kylie has begun to pile pancakes onto a plate. You're going to eat those? Jillian asks all those carbohydrates she's 13 a pancake won't kill her sally would like to strangle her sister she's much too young to be thinking about carbohydrates fine jillian says she could think about when she's 30 after it's too late kylie goes for the fruit salad unless sally is mistaken she wears jillian's blue pencil streaked beneath her eyes kylie carefully scoops two measly spoonfuls of fruit into a bowl and takes teeny tiny bites even though she's nearly six feet tall and weighs only 118 pounds Jillian takes a bowl of fruit for herself. So Jillian's making her feel guilty about eating the pancakes. Maybe I, Jillian didn't want the pancakes in the movie either. Maybe she just doesn't <laughs> want the pancakes. Wasn't this a trend in the Sudbury thing also? I think it was donuts though. But they had this line in there, all those carbs. I think that that was a line in the Sudbury Is thing it? too from Jillian. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think you might be right. Good job, yeah. guys. But then she comes home at the end with all that boxes of cereal and all that junk food, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Turned over a new leaf. Right, right. So page 157, Jillian has always considered herself an outsider, so it's been a big relief to discover that Ben is not as normal as she originally thought. He can easily spend three hours at the Owl Cafe on Sunday morning, ordering plates of pancakes and eggs. Most of the waitresses there have dated him, and they get all dreamy when he comes in for breakfast, bringing him free coffee and ignoring whoever his companion might be. On page 205, until Sonny died, Gary had always shared a house with his grandfather, except for his brief marriage and the first eight years with his parents, which he doesn't remember out of sheer willpower. But he remembers everything about his grandfather. He knew what time Sonny would get out of bed in the morning and when he'd go to sleep and what he'd eat for breakfast, which was invariably shredded wheat on weekdays and on Sunday pancakes spread with molasses and jam. I don't think I've ever tasted molasses, unless it's in a, like a cookie. Like a molasses oh, cookie. Oh, right. Yeah. Isn't molasses what they put in pecan pie? I have no idea. Have I've you, never you I've never had one. You've never had pecan pie? I have a pecan tree in my front yard, but all the squirrels get them. Yeah. Uh, but no, but I haven't had a pecan pie. But you're down south. That's like the, that's like a staple of the south, right? My southern uh, exposure to food is slow. It's steady. Okay. I had black-eyed peas this year. We had collard oh. greens this year. I love the black-eyed peas. Okay. Uh, not, not the band. <laughs> the <laughs> Let me get that. Boom, 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 wow. boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's slow. Right. It's slow going, but uh, our neighbors are, as I've told you, amazing yeah. cooks. So, do they bake too, or just they just? Oh cook? yeah. I'm surprised they've never brought you a little pecan pie. Maybe I should bring them one. You should you can try it out. When me and Avi went, we went on a road trip some years ago before we were even, even married. We went to stay with my cousins in North Carolina, and on the way down, I know Virginia is like not so not too south. My cousins are in North Carolina, but we anything stopped. past the Mason Dixon is considered southern. <laughs> is Virginia past the Mason Dixon? Where is the Mason? Yeah, I think it's Maryland, Pennsylvania. Okay, so Pennsylvania yeah, I guess it would be considered. 
considered a little more Southern, but we went to Williamsburg, Virginia, and we stayed at Airbnb. A lady had this beautiful home tucked in the middle of like a little wooded estate lined by like cherry blossom trees. It was like beautiful. And it was on a lake view, right? And in the morning, she brought us a little tray of like grits, pecan pie, Mm. and some fresh fruit, and Mm. like sitting on the lake and just like looking out. And it was like the most beautiful Mm. thing ever. And that pecan pie was freaking slamming i don't remember if she was like homemade or not but it was freaking good <laughs> you see my eyes like glassing over i'm just thinking about that that about sounds me. amazing yeah try it out love me some grits too um, but yeah i'm pretty sure it's made with molasses though okay thank you take your word for it that's the only time i've ever had molasses was in a pecan pie but it mm. is very like sticky and gooey but i never had it with, with pancakes though um so question since the amas Veritas love spell doesn't exist in the books pancakes really have nothing to do with gary or his qualities that Sally had wished for in the film. So my question is, what do we think the pancakes symbolize in the practical magic book? Uh, did you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Maybe home, maybe comfort, you know? Yeah, because if Sonny, if that was his thing with his grandpa, yeah. if that's what his grandfather would make, that could be a comfort thing for him. Right. And in a time where he's feeling like it's a little awkward, that's yeah. something comforting he can hang on to. I think I was leaning towards that the production and the writers were trying to sprinkle in like a little nod to American pioneers, like the man of the West, cowboys, frontiersmen. Like numerous accounts from California to Colorado, the gold rush alone, pancakes seem to fit the bill as the most common and convenient source of bread, mm-hmm. you know, of that dense filling. Right. They are option. very filling. So I don't remember where I found this. The Frontier American Illustrated News.com okay. <laughs> says that the artful manner of flipping flapjacks has been documented in numerous writings. And among these were the observations of journalist Albert Richardson as he traveled the gold fields of Colorado in 1859. And the quote is flapjacks were the substitute for bread. At every camp, one saw perspiring men bending anxiously over the griddle or turning the cake by tossing it skillfully into the air. With a little experience, uh, this enabled the man to turn them without the aid of a knife by giving the frying pan a little toss upward and forward. This threw the cakes out and over to be caught. I feel like I should have done that in like a old timey man voice. <laughs> you wanted to- opportunity missed. How would you do that? How, what accent would you do? It would be Louis L'Amour saying this. Right? Lab jacks were the substitute for bread. At every camp, one saw perspiring men bending anxiously over the griddle and turning the cake by tossing it skillfully into the air. To a little experience enabled the man to turn them without the aid of a knife. By giving the man a frying pan. I'm not doing I'm doing what's his face? Dan Rather. <laughs> Um, by giving the frying pan a little toss upwards and forwards, this threw the cake out and over to be caught again, the uncooked side down, all in half second. So, <laughs> mind you, that was right before the Civil War, which started in April 1861. But as we'll find out later, these breakfast staples date back much further than that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And according to the Smithsonian, miners lumberjacks, cowboys, and urban workers are all associated with pancakes. In homes where meat and fish were too expensive to produce, pancakes served as a culinary staple that could be eaten on the go or taken back to work. And according to, this is Pancake, a global history, it says presumably this was one of the easiest to make and most filling um, that could be prepared in great quantities, in short order by cooks in lumber camps, Twin Peaks. (laughs) 
<laughs> breakfast was an especially filling meal fueling the body for a hard day's labor to follow. So that is my theory. <laughs> That's a damn fine plate of pancakes. <laughs> That's right. How do you feel about that? My question was, do we think that the writers of the film picked up on the pancakes motif, which you basically said before, and they peppered it throughout the first book and consciously it gave the pancakes more power by making them the ingredient to Sally's almost Fidita's love spell, right? Because in mm -hmm. the book, it's mostly used as like a comfort thing and like a mundane practical i guess it's addition. so wholesome exactly to their everyday life mm -hmm. but i like how they took it to the movie and made it more of a magical aspect of their lives and it gave the pancakes more sustenance to the actual plot of the film so i like how they took the pancakes from the book but they made it more front and center in the movie sure they actually made it a part of the plot you know yeah yeah, yeah. So your question was, do we think that the writers picked up on that motif and peppered it through? Yeah. It's really interesting to think about. And my thought goes to, I don't think they specifically were using the pancakes just on their own, yeah. but I think you're right. I think it, what we said a little earlier, it speaks to that like domesticity, the broader notion of like domestic life and like that comfort. It says to me that she wants someone who will take care of her needs. Mm. Like having, having that, I want a guy who can flip pancakes, yes. somebody who maybe will treat her to cooked meals and somebody who will be confident in their masculinity to be active in the kitchen, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and she as a child could also be connecting that flipping pancakes with physical strength. Because we see in the movie, the Owens use a large, heavy cast iron skillet. Oh yeah, that thing looks heavy as fuck. Well, yeah, yeah she, she killed a man with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, I just realized, well, he's probably flipping those pancakes with the same skillet they killed Jimmy with. With the brain matter on the bottom. The evidence is right there. Oh my God. <laughs> Never thought oh, of that before. That's so funny. I don't know if you cook with cast iron. I do. I yes. have to use two hands. That shit's heavy as fuck. Pancakes for sure cast iron. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Sally, as a little girl, if she was the one, like in the books, if she's the one responsible who makes those healthy meals, she like does the shopping and the cleaning, then she might also be tasked with working with that heavy skillet. Mm -hmm. And I think that she's saying in not so many words that she maybe like someone else to help with the heavy lifting. Mm. And when we do see grown-up Gary in the kitchen, he does he has to use two hands to lift and flip those pancakes. Wow. Right? He's a yeah. strong dude. You gotta have those wrist muscles, right? That's right. right. So that's my theory. All along with singing or humming her favorite tune. Yeah. Domestic life, comfort, mm -hmm. and physical strength. Right. You know, now that we just had that revelation, it's just crazy to me that he jumped through all those hoops to collect evidence from their property with a little business card and getting the little Belladonna off the seat. But like he doesn't realize that he's holding an actual murder weapon when he's flipping those pancakes. That is so wild. It was in front of him the entire time. Wow. I've never realized that before. That's amazing. I, I didn't put that together at all. Right? He's handling the murder weapon. And he's tampering with the evidence because now his fingerprints are on it. You don't think they would have like washed it, I cleaned it, burned it off in the in the oven? You know how you have to um, season yeah. a cast iron? I guess so, but... And she uses the underside, right? The underside. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine once gave me a very tiny cast iron. They're like this big with yeah. a little handle. And she's like, if you ever need to kill your husband... <laughs> It's with a little a, tiny one. It's so little, small. Little I should dig one. that out and make eggs in it or something. She's probably like, yeah, that, that'll do the job. Like yeah. she's done it before. <laughs> Next, <Mac. laughs> 
<laughs> Dong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there are no mentions of the term pancake, flapjack, or griddle cake in Rules of Magic or Book of Magic. However, I did find a few various types of flat cakes in magic lessons that seem very similar to pancakes. Okay. Um, so this first one is called a Shrewsbury cake, and Alice writes about this on page 119. Again, magic lessons. It says, on Tuesday, she baked Shrewsbury cakes buttery and flavored with rose water. Oh that sounds really lovely. Yeah. I was like, what is a Shrewsbury cake? Although it's flat like a pancake, a Shrewsbury cake is of the consistency more like a biscuit. Ooh. Yeah, it's a classic English dessert named after Shrewsbury, the county town of Shropshire. Shropshire? Shropshire. They are made from dough that contains sugar, flour, egg, butter, and lemon zest. Dried fruit is also often added. Shrewsbury cakes can be small in size for serving several at a time or larger for serving as a dessert in and of themselves. Um, the earliest known written reference for Shrewsbury cakes dates to 1602, and the original cakes, delicate and fragile in texture, are no longer made commercially. These cakes were very different from the modern Shrewsbury biscuits, which are still handcrafted in Shrewsbury. Wow. Um, yeah, that little bit about the Shrewsbury cakes was from Wikipedia, but um, I was searching a little more for like, you know, more stuff about the Shrewsbury and on rarecooking.com, it compares the Shrewsbury cake to basically an early modern snickerdoodle. So I guess more like mm. a flaky or crumbly kind of texture. We're going to put that in our cookbook. <laughs> Damn right. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is a love cake, which is just a skillet cake, but I guess in the book it's a love cake because Maria uses it in a kind of a love spell kind of way. So she does use cooking these like griddle cakes or pancakes in her magic. So it is, I guess, a source of practical magic, right? Hmm. This is on page 125 to 126. Alice writes, When Maria woke, she had already decided she must leave for Essex County without delay. Her future was waiting for her, and it would be best for her to discover what was in store. She had most likely stayed too long in Boston. She wondered why she had been unable to find John Hathorne on her own, for she had sighted countless lost men for so many women. There was a problem that thwarted her that was much evident. She set to work baking a love cake using the recipe Hannah had taught her. It was a skillet cake made over the fire, and as it baked, it turned from white to red. She set it out to cool, but an hour later returned to find that the cake had been devoured by ants. It was a dark sign, but one she ignored as she threw away what was left of the cake. So also interesting that this pancake gets thrown away or discarded in the book as right. well. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. No sweets for the Owens ladies. <laughs> Except for brownies for breakfast. Yeah. Have all the chocolate. Chocolate cake mentioned so many more times than a griddle or pancake in the book. Mm, interesting. I searched for the difference between a pancake and a skillet cake, but griddle cake was a search result that popped up first, so I'm guessing skillet cakes and griddle cakes are the same thing? Okay. So yeah. I did okay. a little more digging just to see what the difference was. So pancake versus griddle cake. This is from CoolixPancakeRecipes.com. The pancake versus griddle cake debate all comes down to who you ask. In America, these two terms are interchangeable. They both refer to a flat and fluffy cake, usually served for breakfast, but that's not true in every country. For instance, in the United Kingdom, a griddle cake refers to a pancake that is thick and fluffy, similar to the ones you find in the US, but what they call a pancake is flatter, thinner, and wider in a way that's similar to a French crepe. Pancakes and griddle cakes are usually made of the same ingredients, 
though some countries put their own spin on the classic breakfast food. For example, in Norway, they add their kefir or buttermilk alongside flour, baking soda, sugar, and butter. But overall, pancakes and griddle cakes in most places are very similar, and you can't really go wrong with ordering either one of them. So that's the differences. I guess it de all depends on where you get them. Um, I wanted to look up what kefir was because I've heard it before. I think it's a yogurt. Yeah, I think it's, it's a like milk. A fermented, it's like, it's like fermented milk or something like that. Yes, yes, yes. Fermented milk. Okay. Is that what it says? It, yeah. Right? Okay. It's, it's similar to thin yogurt. Okay. You're so smart. The last one mentioned in Magic Lessons is a Johnny cake, and this is on pages 129 and 139. Page 129, it says, Maria had brought along some Johnny cakes for Faith to eat on the journey and some salt cod for herself. And as they went along the road, she picked handfuls of ripe blackberries. And on page 139, it says, Before she left Boston, Mrs. Henry had taught her how to fix Salem pudding, a favorite dish made of flour, milk, molasses, and raisins, all boiled for hours, and how to make a quick meal of Johnny cakes with Indian meal and flour, one egg, a little sugar, and salt and soda. So what are Johnny cakes? So the Johnny cakes, spelled journey cake in the 16th century, can be traced to South Carolina origins. It is also claimed that Johnny cakes were made by the Narragansett people of Rhode Island as far back as the 1600s. Johnny cakes are made from a cornmeal batter. It is still eaten in the Bahamas, Belize, Bermuda, Canada, Colombia, Curacao, where Maria was, right? So she mm -hmm. must have learned this recipe in the islands during her time there. A Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, San Croix, and the United States. And right where you are, right? Right here in Podunk Nowhere, South Carolina. You have them Lady will make them and bring them over. Was so it like a flat corn muffin, kind of? It's pretty thin. It's thin? It looks like a smashed hash brown. Okay. <laughs> Does it taste, it has the texture of like a corn muffin since it uses cornmeal? Yeah. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. like gritty, like a little more gritty. Mm -hmm. I, I like me a cornmeal. I fucking love corn muffins. I just Dude, love that like gritty texture. I gotta send you this recipe for jalapeno cornbread muffins with like melted cheese on top. They'll knock your ass out. I feel like Avi's made those before. Okay. He's All right. A sucker for like anything jalapeno, like adding mm. jalapeno to like something more sweet. So it's like kind of got that sweet and savory kind of taste. Mm. He loves it like that. So a modern Johnny cake is fried cornmeal gruel, which is made from yellow or white cornmeal mixed with salt and hot water or milk and sometimes sweetened, mostly in the southern United States. One stack of flapjacks and goodbye, Mr. Hallett. We're going to talk about pancakes versus flapjacks versus hotcakes and how they stack up. And this is from dictionary.com. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it, it wow. kind of gave you the difference between, I guess, all of the words. Um, so the, it says the words flapjacks, hotcakes, and griddle cakes are all used as synonyms for what are most generally and popularly called pancakes. Okay. Yeah. So I guess they're all interchangeable depending on where the region, where you are, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. maybe even how it's made. Some maybe are made different in certain regions mm. we just talked about with the uh, pancake versus griddle cake. So usage of some of these terms varies by region. While flapjacks is an informal nickname for pancakes, some people may use the terms hotcakes and griddle cakes to refer to specific types of pancakes. So in the UK, the word flapjack refers to something entirely different, which is mostly a baked good made from oats that resembles more of a granola bar. Weird. Right? Yeah. That's strange. Didn't the know that. Flapjack is traced back to the late 1500s. It's a combination of the verb flap in the sense similar to flip or toss and jack which comes from the proper name of variation of john and is sometimes used in the name of objects as an applejack or skipjack 
Cute. <laughs> yeah. So let's look at the difference between hotcakes versus pancakes. Apple jacks are so good. I just Apple want to the cereal. Throw that in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so hotcakes versus pancakes. In both the U.S. and the U.K., the term hotcakes is used as a synonym of pancakes. The word hotcakes is often used for marketing or branding reasons. It just sounds delicious, right? Such as by the fast food chain McDonald's, which uses the term hotcakes for their pancakes. Speaking of marketing, the word hotcakes is commonly used in the idiom sell like hotcakes or go like hotcakes. Like they're going fast. You're like, right? They're selling like hotcakes. Yeah, go yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, mm. which uses hotcakes in the same sense and means to sell or run out very quickly. Picture pancakes being sold as soon as they're made, like fresh, like hot off mm. that griddle, like stack after stack. So I guess that's heard it used as term. like a compliment for like a lady. Hey, hotcakes! Hey, hot you know, cakes. yeah, exactly. Fresh off the press, fresh off mm -hmm. the. <laughs> so what are griddle cakes? Griddle cakes is a less common synonym for pancake. The word griddle in the name commonly refers to a specific type of frying pan, often a square one with raised edges that's commonly used for cooking pancakes and other things. Those stovetops, call it griddle in the middle, those are so cool. It's the four burners, two on each side, and then the griddle pan in the middle. Yeah, mm. we have a removable griddle, but ours did come with a removable griddle pan. Ask me oh, how many times I've made pancakes on that thing. Oh my god. You can make burgers. You can make anything on that thing. Saute, like fucking hibachi yeah. style your meal. <laughs> true. Yeah, you, I never even thought of doing hibachi on there. I usually like in the summertime or like even in the wintertime when we can't use the grill outside, mm -hmm. sometimes I'll um, use that hot griddle plate to fry up sausage or any yes. kind of ch like chicken or any kind of meat pretty much um but i've never even thought of using that for pancakes because like you said we usually take out the big skillet the cast iron skillet uh-huh get that thing yeah. nice and hot and um that's what we mostly use but yeah those those flat griddle things in the middle i like <laughs> they're so nice because you can fit so much more you can fit like eight to ten pancakes on there at once there's no edge so it's nice and flat so you can like you know get them really nice and close to each other and you yes know, yeah they make your gigantic saguaro cactus if you wanted yeah but but we would need a mold because we don't have gary superpower nope nope we're not in the owens house <laughs> i like to do like straight up everything for a burger on there so i'll saute the onions i can do the mushrooms on you know on one side do the burger on the other side and it's all done so tell us about hoe cakes yeah, so we mentioned Johnny Cakes a little bit earlier, but there are also hoe cakes down here in the South. Sometimes they're called Shawnee Cakes or Spider Cornbread. Our neighbors also make those for us. I don't think I'm as much of a fan, but the term hoe cake, H-O-E-C-A-K-E, -E, was first used in 1745, and the term is used by the American writers such as Joel Barlow and Washington Irving. The origin of the name is the method of preparation. They were cooked on a type of iron pan called a hoe. This is conflicting evidence regarding the common belief that they were cooked on the blades of garden hose. Mm. So a hoe cake can be made either out of cornbread batter or leftover biscuit dough. A cornbread hoe cake is thicker than a cornbread pancake. I also wanted to throw in here, they're called palachinke. I'm sure it's like an Eastern European dish. There's many variations of this, but Croatian palachinke are a flour egg batter and it's thicker than what you would use to make crepes. It's a bit runnier than a standalone pancake batter and it's fried in butter or oil and stuffed with sweet or savory fillings. These are different than pancakes. Palachika don't need this leavening agent. So they say that we use club soda to create that a light and airy batter. 
So what you were saying about the Croatian palachinke, um, there's another, I guess, the same thing, palachinke, but this can be dated back to the Greco-Romans, back to 350 BCE. The ancient Greek poets Archistratos and Antiphanes first mentioned Placus. In Cato the Elder short work, De Agricultura, which means on farming, from about 160 BC, includes an elaborate recipe for placenta? Like placenta? We talked about this. Didn't we talk about placenta cakes? We did talk about this. We talked about placenta cakes on our placenta episode. Guys, I got a li- yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got podcast brain right about it, though, you know? Yeah. Go listen to our placenta episode. We definitely talk about placenta cakes. So palachinke might be a placenta cake. It oh my like. gosh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, coming back around. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. all right. The main difference between the French and Central European versions of the dish is the mixture for palachinke. And it can be used straight away, unlike that of crepes, which is suggested it needs to be left to rest for several hours. Um, so, yeah, my great grandmother Mata and my grandmother Katarina used to make these on the wood burning stove in their house and, like, not clean, <laughs> like a cast iron stove wood inside heat in the house so they ladle the mixture right on to the stovetop no pan it was just like a natural griddle and us kids would just sit there and watch it bubble up and you know grandmas have those like hard european hands and they're just flipping it with their hands oh my god (laughs) you know bubbas are just so hardcore they're just cool (laughs) like that yeah and we would eat them like right off the stovetop we would just sprinkle straight sugar into them and roll them up like a burrito um you can also put jelly in them but we were just basically eating straight sugar (laughs) in these things they were so good so uh if anybody ever offers you a palachinka highly recommended it sounds good so we're going to talk more about, I guess, the origins of Shrove Tuesday. So this article this is from history.co.uk. So this says, Our calendar year is full of a variety of festivities for both adults and children to enjoy. While some occasions may hog the limelight more than others, looking at you, Christmas, there's nothing like the simple pleasures of Pancake Day, a day to flip batter in the air and overindulge in the sweet goodness of those that successfully land on your plate. Just like many of our other Christian-themed annual holidays and celebrations, the roots of Pancake Day lie in pre-Christian pagan times. So this year, before we crack the eggs and begin whisking in the flour, let's journey back in time and uncover the surprising history of one of our sugariest traditions. So when is Pancake Day 2024? Pancake Day always falls 47 days before Easter Sunday. And so every year the date moves between February and the beginning of March. It's saying Pancake Day is February 13th, 2024. So depending on when you guys hear this, it may be like right before or right after um, Pancake Day. I think it's Um, a little bit after. Hey, I think it might still be February when this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. So if you want to celebrate Pancake Day a little belated, go to your Absolutely. and go, go eat some pancakes. So what is Pancake Day? Pancake Day, also known as Pancake Tuesday or Shrove Tuesday. Is this like Fat Tuesday? I think like in it, Lent? Yeah, I think it might be. Like, okay. Um, like down in uh, New Orleans, right? They do the Fat Tuesday down there. I know our church did it growing up, but we always called it Fashnot Day, which is like a, a German donut. And it okay. was like a big to-do. Oh, they're so fucking good. Right, I'll have so to make them for you when you come down. Region must have their own, I guess, celebration in correspondence it's like the with the kickoff that. of Lent, okay. I guess. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Fat Tuesday is like a New Orleans thing. 
if I'm not mistaken. I've never been there, but I always hear like Fat Tuesday, like, you know, it's like associated with Mardi Gras or something like that. Because Yeah, isn't Mardi yeah, it's Gras like right the around last that day time? of of indulgence, Yeah, basically. oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mardi <laughs> Gras. Talk totally. about indulgence, right? Yeah. So it's also known as Pancake Tuesday or Shrove Tuesday, and it's a day when households up and down the country make pancakes and lather them with a variety of toppings, the most popular being lemon and sugar. Ooh, that sounds refreshing. Yeah. So why do we celebrate Pancake Day? So Shrove, S-H-R-O-V-E, comes from the word shrive, which means to give absolution for someone's sins by way of confession and doing penance. Thus, Shrove Tuesday was named after the customs of Christians to be, quote, shriven before the start of Lent. Anglo-Saxon Christians started this practice of being shriven or on Shrove Tuesday as the day that came before Ash Wednesday. It allowed There it them, is. yeah, there it is. It allowed them to confess and be absolved of their sins before Lent began. We're so fucking smart. <laughs> During the 40 days of Lent, Christians are encouraged to eat plainer food and avoid indulging themselves in sweet treats. And so Shrove Tuesday became the perfect opportunity to scuff up all the rich food in the household before Ash Wednesday. So that, okay, that makes no sense to me because let's look at the seven deadly sins, right? Right? Gluttony. So in essence, Shrove Tuesday or Lent is just, it's just encouraging gluttony. So you're still sinning. <laughs> well, I think they're saying get it out of you, get it out of your system, and then go to confession because that was the day that they held confessions. Do your penance, and then the start of Lent, you were supposed to abstain. But that's a loophole, though, because they're saying they're saying no gluttony. You Seven sound deadly surprised sins. with the Catholic Church <laughs> that there's a loophole. I am not surprised. They are the most convenient cherry Uh-huh. picking people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so the pancake was the ideal dish since it combined all the fatty ingredients and cleared out the cupboards in one fell swoop. It's not just the Brits who enjoyed sugary treats on Shrove Tuesday. In France and other parts of the world, Pancake Day is known as Mardi Oh! Mardi Gras! We were just talking about Mardi Gras. I'm telling you. That's Pancake Day is Mardi Gras. Sometimes I guess that I think is... we don't even need notes. Mardi Gras translates as Fat Tuesday. Hmm. Interesting. So is Mardi Tuesday and Fat is Gras? Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So the principles of the day are the same. An opportunity to eat plenty of fatty foods before making sacrifices for Lent. So let's talk about the origins of the pancake. So now we know what Pancake Day is and why it's marked in Christian calendars, but the origins of the pancake itself go back to caveman times. Scientists have found evidence of a 30,000 year old grinding tools that suggest Stone Age people were making flour. Analysts suggest the flour could then have been mixed with water to make a batter, which was then baked on hot rocks, the prehistoric pancake. Wow. In support of this theory are the stomach contents of a prehistoric Iceman discovered in the Italian Alps in 1991, Otzi. Didn't we talk about him in our tattoo episode? Yes! He coming back around. It's Everything's all connected. coming back around. Otzi. Um, Otzi, yeah, as Otzi, as he is known, is believed to have walked this earth some 5,300 years ago. After scientists analyzed his stomach contents, they observed his last meal included red deer, ibex, ground einkorn, wheat, and charcoal. The charcoal and wheat combo might suggest that he consumed the food in the form of a pancake cooked over a fire. 
That's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. He did have the tattooed body that we were talking about. His picture is in our show notes, but I'm sure you can just look him up. That's yeah. so funny. Isn't it? I wonder if that's one of the oldest remains that have been found that they ha can study. Yeah. So maybe he's more popular than we give him credit for. Crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the source historycooperative.org actually had a lot of really great information, but I just pulled a little bit as to not make this episode super long, but go check out the links in our show notes. You can also go to our hero.page for our source links. Okay. So one notable example is the discovery of a pancake-like remain in the ancient city of Pompeii, which was preserved by the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD. Archaeologists found carbonized cakes resembling pancakes, providing evidence that their existence was during the Roman era. In addition to Pompeii, pancake-like foods have been found in other ancient sites as well. In Africa, researchers uncovered grinding stones and milling tools dating back thousands of years, indicating the preparation of pancake-like batters. In Scandinavia, ancient petroglyphs depict images of people cooking and flipping what appeared to be pancakes over an open fire, suggesting that pancake-like dishes were part of early Scandinavian cuisine. The diversity of pancake traditions around the world also highlights the widespread appeal and adaptability of this culinary creation. In Eastern European, Bellinis are thin pancakes uh, traditionally served during Maslanitsa, a Slavic holiday celebrating the end of winter. In India, dosas or utapams are popular pancake-like dishes made from fermented rice and lentil batters. These examples demonstrate how different cultures have incorporated, huh, that was a weird way to say that. <laughs> pancakes into their culinary heritage, each with their own unique recipes and traditions. Um, I noticed editing that Gustav episode. Yeah. I just fucking got stuck in some kind of accent. The rest of that episode, I sound so weird. <laughs> so I think it was all the French names. I'm like, it's easier to, to keep those French uh -huh. names going if I just have the accent. Yeah, just stay in the accent. So the invention and development of pancakes were not limited to a single culture or region. Various civilizations and cultures have made significant contributions to the evolution of pancakes. For example, in ancient China, pancakes made from wheat flour and rice flour were a staple and have a long history dating back thousands of years. These early Chinese pancakes, known as Bing, were cooked on griddles or in pans and often filled with savory ingredients like meat or vegetables. Mm. I'm a savory breakfast person. I'm not really a sweets breakfast person. Yeah. I'm going to take a breakfast sandwich over a pancake, to be honest. Here's my thing. I also love a savory breakfast. So give me all the eggs and all the bacon. The and gravy all and the biscuits. See, yeah. I'm not so much like that's too heavy for me for breakfast, like the gravy and the biscuits. Just I'm simple. Pancakes, eggs, maybe, maybe toast. I'd like maybe like take a one bite of toast. But then after I'm done with that, <laughs> then I finish it with the sweet. Round it out. Like a palate cleanser, right? Mm, I, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. to, I always finish my meal with something sweet. Even after dinner, I'll like mm. have a cookie or like fruit or something mm. sweet. Me and Avi call it meal done. Meal done's meal done. That's cute. Because it's like that's when the meal is officially done after our something sweet. So even sure. I even do that with breakfast. So like yeah, after my eggs and bacon, then me and Avi split a plate of pancakes. That's cute. You guys are adorable. Yeah, that's our thing. <laughs> In Europe, pancake traditions were shaped by different cultures. In France, the delicate and thin crepes gained popularity with variations like the savory galettes made from buckwheat flour in Brittany. In Scotland, traditional pancakes known as scotch pancakes or drop scones emerged featuring a thicker and smaller size compared to the typical pancake. 
These examples illustrate how different cultures added their own unique flavors and techniques to pancake development. Moreover, Native American cultures in North America made contributions to pancake variations. The indigenous people of North America created hotcakes, we talked about, using various grains like cornmeal, while others utilized ingredients such as wild berries or maple syrup, we're gonna have mm. a syrup episode coming up, as accompaniments. These early integrations of pancakes showcase the diversity and adaptability of pancake recipes across different cultural contexts. As pancakes spread across different cultures and regions, the recipes and, and ingredients used in their preparation underwent a significant evolution. The availability of local ingredients and cultural preferences shaped the development of pancake recipes. For example, in Europe, the introduction of a leavening agent like yeast and then later baking powder revolutionized pancake making. These ingredients added a lightness and a fluffiness to the batter, resulting in the creation of thicker risen pancakes. The addition of eggs, milk, and flavorings, such as vanilla or spices, further enhanced the taste and texture of the pancakes. I always throw in cinnamon to my mixture, mm, into my, just, my batter. Cinnamon makes everything better. Cinnamon and a little orange zest. Ooh, dang. That's fancy. elevated. So fancy. Ina Garden, she always adds a little bit of zest to everything. She did an episode where um, she did the same dish twice, once with zest, once without, and mm. she gave it to her friends to test out to like mm -hmm. see which one they liked better. And they, like nine times out of 10, actually 10 out of 10, they always <laughs> pick the one with the zest. Interesting. It just elevates the flavors a little bit. Orange zest. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, or lemon, depending on what you're making. Orange zest usually goes really well with like sweeter dishes, and lemon zest usually goes better with, I think, savory, like okay. chicken or like poultry or anything like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I've never made pancakes from scratch. I always have a box. Really? Yeah, I've never tried to make that them hard. From it's just really? a couple ingredients. Yeah. But as we're learning, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so in different parts of the world, diverse ingredients were incorporated into pancake recipes. In Asia, rice flour and lentils became popular bases for pancake batters in North America, cornmeal. As trade and exploration expanded, the exchange of ingredients and culinary practices influenced pancakes recipes globally. For instance, the introduction of potatoes to Europe from the New World. Did you know that potatoes are an American thing? They were discovered in like okay. south america wait they were discovered in south america yes wait so they're not an american thing well like th the americas oh okay so they were brought probably from south america to north america but i'm saying like they're so associated with like irish heritage oh no? yeah yeah i guess well so they potatoes weren't grown in ireland at all like back in the day i just thought my dumb dumb brain was like oh they were probably irish in origin oh but they're not oh, you know how God. people are like oh i'm as irish as a potato or <laughs> well, something like, like, like no you're, that doesn't make sense but it does because like irish use potatoes in everything right 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 that's that's not the point i'm making i'm no, saying I that know, from south america <laughs> <laughs> okay so potatoes are are south american yeah okay so this origin. led to the creation of the potato pancake uh such as the famous latkes from jewish cuisine that sounds good. so good, like a big-ass hash, hash brown. Moreover, modern achievements in cooking technology have also influenced pancake preparation. Electric griddles and nonstick pans have made it easier to control heat and achieve consistent results, while innovations like pancake mixtures have made pancake preparation more convenient. You just add water to a lot of them these days, right? 
Yeah, if they're in the box, yeah. But even like like homemade pancake mix from scratch, it's like it's not that hard to make. I'm wondering if like the pancake stuff that you see in the box is just like the flour and I guess it's all the stuff, the dry stuff mixed. Already. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's not that hard to to make from scratch. Just a couple ingredients. So I'm gonna try it. I'll, I'll give yeah, it a shot. Try it out. Yeah. So let's talk about pancakes through the ages. The ancient Greeks and Romans whipped up pancakes with wheat flour, olive oil, honey, and milk. In medieval times, pancakes were made with buckwheat or rye, sans leavening, while the Elizabethans favored flavorings of rose water, sherry, apples, and spices. Like in the magic lessons, she used rose water in her love pancakes or her mm. love cakes. Um, Shakespeare, no doubt smitten, mentioned pancakes. Shakespeare. He mentioned pancakes in two of his plays. All's no well, well, and as you like it. And every culture seems to have its variation on pancakes from French crepes to the Russian bellini and Swedish pancakes to Welsh krampog. Dutch panikok, also spelled panikoken, and Native American Indian cakes or Johnny cakes, which were made from cornmeal, which we were talking about before. Dutch colonists brought their panikok recipes to America and by 1740, they were dubbed buckwheat cakes, while the English brought Shrove Tuesday or pancake. Tuesday, a traditional feast day falling before the start of Lent. Pancakes stacked up as a great American breakfast for Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. They adored their hoe cakes. Fuck that guy. I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and pancakes, also known as griddle cakes, hot cakes, and flapjacks, among other names, even figured into the legend of Paul Bunyan, the American folklore hero and mighty lumberjack with a giant appetite to match. Do you remember that movie? I think it was called Tall Tales. Oh. And Patrick Swayze, I think, played Paul Bunyan. Did he? No, I don't That movie that. was so good. Was yeah. that like back in the, in the 90s, I guess? Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Continue. Um, from smithsonianmag.com, it also says, while pancakes were especially popular with the working class, they weren't limited to this audience. In February 1619, English noblewoman Anne Clifford, Countess of Dorset, Pembroke, and Montgomery, wrote a diary entry detailing how she made, quote, pancakes with my women in the great chamber, end quote. Oh. As <laughs> sounds like the fanciest freaking pancake I've ever heard of. <laughs> As Amanda E. Herbert explains in Female Alliances, Gender, Identity, and Friendship in Early Modern England, she says Clifford shared a bedchamber with her daughter Margaret and their servants. Together, the women cooked pancakes and other sweet treats over the fireplace. Sugar was an expensive commodity, Herbert adds. By locating confectionery work in bedchambers, elite women may have hoped to keep it from being overused or protect it from being stolen. Almost 300 years later, during the late Victorian era, English citizens occasionally ate caviar pancakes as part of the savory course, a small, salty, or piquant dish served at the end of the meal after pudding, better known to Americans as dessert, but before fruit and nuts. So oh. there seems to be, I guess, a hierarchy in the the, uh, the chain of command in the food groups, I guess. Very much so. Very right? specific. Yeah. Yeah. Very Victorian. Very Victorian. So am I inherently a Victorian? I am. Yes. What did you call it? A meal done? A meal, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I have to have my savory first and then it's my meal done. Cute. Right. Uh, the next stop on the pancake history train takes us to ancient Greeks and Romans, both of whom were known to enjoy a pancake or two. In an ancient Roman cookbook entitled Cidere Coconaria, on the subject of cooking, that translates to, the author, a man named Marcus Gavius Apicius, documents the first known recipe for pancakes. Writing sometime during the first century AD, Apicius mentions a dish called Ova Sponja Ex Lacte, egg sponge with milk. Wow. 
Yeah. Although the recipe for this dish doesn't mention flour, a key ingredient in our modern pancakes, it is believed to be the earliest written recipe or written example of a cake made in a pan, aka the pancake. Just like today, Apicius recommended it be consumed with something sweet. His main recommendation being honey. Mm, sounds good. So a little bit about pre-Christianity symbolism. The final stop on our batter-filled historical journey takes us to the period before Christianity had swept across Europe and absorbed the multitude of pagan festivals into the Christian faith. For thousands of years, people from varying cultures have marked and celebrated the equinoxes and solstices, the longest and shortest days of the year. The pagan Celts, who lived across a large area from Britain and Ireland to northern France, held a festival known as Imbolc, which, by the time you're listening to this, it has already passed. I think it's, what, February 1st, Imbolc? Second? First, second? First or second, yeah. The, the first couple days of February. Yay. And it's celebrated to herald the spring. Early Slavic people from Eastern Europe held a similar week-long celebration to mark the end of winter and the coming of spring. Symbolism was an important part of ancient paganism and this is where the pancake reappears. Springtime represented new life, light conquering darkness, rejuvenation, and the promise of sunnier times ahead. The long cold nights of winter were soon to be behind them as the abundance of brighter days lay on the horizon. And it's funny because the pancake around shape can also probably symbolize the sun, right? Mmm, yeah. I love Imbolc. I'm just, ugh, I love it so much. And yeah. Ostara. Yeah. Did you ever make those Bridget crosses? Did you ever make those? I did not. I did some other kind of weaving, though. Yeah. All right. So, Christina, take us around the world. Around the world. Okay, so in Germany, I mentioned this a little earlier. They go by a couple of different names. I'm going to say the word I know how to say. It is okay. Bosch not. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, the other ones, Gravenwalstengstag and Welchendingdengdongstag. <laughs> the last of which translates. Yeah. Wait, okay. So, Welchendingstag. Welchendingstag. There. There you go. The last of which translates to Violet, the flower, Tuesday. And it's celebrated with fancy dresses and a partial school day. Similarly, in German-American areas, such as the Pennsylvania Dutch country, it's known as Faschnacht Day. Oh my God, I can't believe you gave me all this. <laughs> Here I'm we go. sorry. I'll take right. some of it if you want. All right, in the Netherlands, Vastenavond, or the Limburgish dialect, Vasta, vast la oven. I have to sound that out myself. Vasta loven. You cannot hold my hand forever, mom. <laughs> vasta loven. Though the word vasta loven usually refers to the entire period of the carnival in the Netherlands. In some parts of Switzerland, e.g. Lucerne, the day is called Gudeldeinstag. Gudeldeinstag. Gulden. Yeah. Preceded by Gudis Montag. I never took a language in high school. So Can you sorry. Tell? According to Durden Dictionary, the term derives from Gudel, which means a fat belly stuffed full of food. My Gudel is very full every day. I love how it can concise it down to a five-letter word. That's amazing. Okay. In Portuguese, Spanish, and Italian-speaking countries, Justina Take it away. Okay, so it is known as Carnival, to use the English spelling. This derives from medieval Latin, carnalevamen, the putting away of flesh, and thus to another aspect of the Lenten fast, to abstain from eating meat. It is often celebrated with street processions or fancy dress. 
The most famous of these events has become the Brazilian Carnival in Rio de Janeiro. Venetians have long celebrated Carnival with a masquerade. The use of the term Carnival in other contexts derives from this celebration. In Spain, the Carnival Tuesday is named Dia de la Tortilla, which is yeah. omelet day. <laughs> An omelet made with some sausage or pork fat is eaten. On the Portuguese island of Madeira, malasadas are eaten on Terça Feira Gorda, Fat Tuesday in English, which is also the last day of the Carnival of Madeira. Malasadas were cooked in order to use up all the lard and sugar in the house in preparation for Lenten restrictions. This tradition was taken to Hawaii, where Shrove Tuesday is known as Malasada Day, which dates back to the days of the sugar plantations of the 1800s. The resident Catholic Portuguese workers who came mostly from Madeira and the Azores used up butter and sugar prior to Lent by making large batches of malasadas. Sound yeah. as natural as <laughs> as being born. Um, all right. I'm going to go back to the, my Dutch here. Okay, Denmark and Norway. Thank God my boss doesn't listen because he's from Amsterdam. Uh, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday is called Fettetertstag, Fat Tuesday. The prior weekend is known as Festalaven and is marked by eating Festalaven's bowler. Festalaven is named for the uh, carnival in Denmark, held either on the Sunday or Monday before Ash Wednesday. Festalaven developed from the Roman Catholic tradition of celebrating in the days before Lent, but in Denmark became a Protestant nation, the holiday became less specifically religious. The holiday occurs seven weeks before Easter Sunday, with children dressing up in costumes and gathering treats for the Festalaven feast. The holiday is generally considered to be a time for children's fun and family games. Where's Estonia? I only know, I don't know. Estonia from Encino Man because okay. his name is Stony oh. and he's from Estonia. <laughs> Stony from Estonia? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Are you kidding? I've seen like, like you know, back <gasps> in the day, like the previews before the movie when your movie comes on. Mm. I remember always seeing the previews for it, but I don't think I've ever seen the movie. Please put that on your list. All right. Okay, uh, is Polly Shore? Yeah, Polly okay. Shore. Brendan Fraser? Brendan Fraser. And, yeah, uh, I know everybody who's in it. Samwise Gamgee. I've, I've never seen it Sean though. Sean Astin. Okay, right, right, all right. Do you know who Sean Astin's dad is? I think his name's John Astin, but he played the original Gomez in The Addams Family. Oh, no shit. I was like, no freaking way. How about that? I had no idea. In Estonia, uh, the day is similarly called Veslapev and is generally celebrated by eating pea soup. I just had pea soup. Yeah, and whipped cream or whipped cream and jam-filled sweet buns called fastlekukul, similar to the Swedish fastlegesbul or semia. Children also typically go sledding on this day. Your turn. Okay. <laughs> We're going to Iceland, guys. Apparently, yeah. Let's go to Iceland. The day is known as Sprengidagur. <laughs> bursting day, and is marked by eating salted meat and peas. In Lithuania, the day is called Uskavenes. People eat pancakes, which are known as blinai, and Lithuanian-style donuts. In Sweden, the day is called Fetisdagen, Fat Tuesday, and is generally celebrated by eating a type of sweet roll called Faslabugul or sem semja. 
Is that what you said before? Semya? Mm-hmm. Finland, the day is called Laskianen and is generally celebrated by eating green pea soup and a pastry called Laskiaspula, sweet bread filled with whipped cream and jam or almond paste, same as the Swedish semla. The celebration often includes downhill sledging. So that seems like the same thing as Estonia, basically. Are, mm-hmm. are Finland and Estonia close to each other? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Well, I guess, you know, even if it's not like directly next to Estonia. I'm going to I- say like closer to Russia. Let me see. Nope, nope, I'm fucking wrong. It is um like above Poland, Lithuania. So actually, no, it's on the Russian border, but it's way the fuck up there near Finland. Got it. Yeah, I guess like all of these Eastern European countries kind of probably all all the traditions probably kind of meld into each other. They're all in the same region, right? In Poland, a related celebration falls on the Thursday before Ash Wednesday and is called Lutsi Swartek, Fat Thursday. In some areas of the United States with large- Thursday? Pol- I guess, yeah, they changed it up. <laughs> oh, dang, Poland. With large Polish communities such as Chicago, Buffalo, and Michigan, Lusty Zwartek is celebrated with paszki, or farworki, eating contests, music, and other Polish food. It may be held on Shrove Tuesday or in the days immediately preceding it. Dude, I love me some fucking Polish food. Have you ever had Polish food? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that word was so funny. Farworki? It's also called angel wings. It's kind of like a disassembled funnel cake. Sweet, crisp pastry made out of dough. Probably, yeah, deep fried, sprinkled with powdered sugar. Sure, it's so healthy for me. (laughs) In Slovenia, uh, Kurentovanje is also the biggest and best known carnival. There are several more local carnivals, usually referred to as Loforija. In Hungary and the Hungarian-speaking territories, it is called, oh, Jesus, (laughs) It means the Tuesday leaving the meat, and it's celebrated by fancy dress and visiting neighbors. Cool. All right, so now we got through all of that Eastern European lingo. Edit out my bullshit, please. (laughs) We were both bullshit. Christina's going to tell us about an indigenous discovery shared with the colonists. Do you want me to do this or do we want to use this in our maple syrup episode? Yeah, um, th- yeah. you know what I started doing here? I started doing a little section on maple syrup and gotcha. then when I started deep diving, I was like, holy shit, there's uh, a maple syrup. Okay. We should give syrup so, its own episode. So that's what we're going to do, guys. I guess we could take our break now. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, let's take our break then. All right. So we'll end it there. Um, Yes, we are going to do an entire episode on the maple syrup and why we eat it with pancakes. We are going to take our break now, and when we come back, we'll do a card pull. We'll talk about some pancakes and divination. Divination! Divination. There are four words I can no longer hear in a regular voice. Undeterred, malevolent, foreboding, and, oh, oh, God, an enigmatic. Enigmatic. Enigmatic man. Those four, and I've been reading my ass off, come up constantly. I know, because every time you come across that word in your book, you always Marco me and like zoom in on the word. And I'm just like, I hear it. Foreboding. Or or foreboding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to talk about pancake magic and lore, pancakes in witchcraft, and pancakes, of course, in pop culture. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, little witches. The scene is here. 
If you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you would know how much we love using the Practical Magic Inner Witch Oracle Deck by Grounded by the Moon. And now we want to share the magic of Grounded by the Moon with you, our listeners. Joseph Benitez Egerton, the creator behind Grounded by the Moon, would like to offer this very special 10% off discount to all who wish to experience the magic of his Practical Magic-themed tarot and oracle decks. But that's not all. He also creates other divination tools like tarot workbooks, deck bags and altar cloths, pendulum kits, oil blends, cleansing sprays, smoke wands, teas, and ritual kits. And let's not forget about his custom handcrafted all-natural soy candles, where every candle is hand-poured and personally infused and charged under the light of the moon. They even come with a crystal. And did we mention all of the ingredients in the candles are ethically sourced? All of Joseph's offerings are just so magical. So go visit groundedbythemoon.com and use the coupon code MAGNOLIAMAGIC for 10% off your entire order at checkout. That's M-A-G-N-O-L-I-A-M-A-G-I-C. So get your discount today. We used to have a pancake breakfast put on by our church. And it was one of the things as an eighth grade young person who had to go through confirmation, you had to, you were basically child labor, but you had to get like service hours, like community Um, service hours, basically. You had to do the same shit. But I didn't work in no pancake kitchen. My ass went to the library. Oh yeah. And asked if I could work in their children's book section. Oh, that's what I did for my, yeah, that's what I did for my hours. But I remember that at this pancake breakfast they had uh put like peanut butter chips in some of the pancakes and those were my favorite that's, like the peanut butter really uh, like little her little hershey's droplets mm-hmm. yeah oh so good they make like the little caramel morsels too mm-hmm. i've done caramel morsel pancakes yes i love me some blueberry pancakes yeah and of course no no pancake is complete though without that butter pecan maple syrup I'm telling you and that big slab of butter Mm-hmm. I don't want fucking pancakes. I know. I've never been that type of person that's like, let's have pancakes for dinner. I can't. I can't. You're not a burner person. Breakfast for dinner? No, can't me do either. it. No, give me, yeah. give me like a steak or a chicken or yeah, any kind of the meat, any meat. Mm-hmm. All day, every day. Yep. Or fish. I, I love me some seafood. Ready to shuffle up a kiss? Yeah, let's shuffle. All right. Th- so there's no pancake card. When I was deck. doing my oracle designs, I had pancakes in my deck. I'm saying if we do like a Magnolia Street deck, we should throw some pancakes in there for sure. But this card that you included on here is gorgeous. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I did include some, uh, a couple other tarot designs that include pancakes, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Tell me when to stop. Right. Okay. Does that mean stop? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you do it until you feel good. Midnight margaritas. Margaritas. The keyword on this card is truth. Gary came to flip pancakes to find the truth. truth. And look at that. The truth was in his hand all along. (gasps) It was a murder weapon. Oh my God. We've done it again. How about that truth, Gary? You're handling the murder weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so truth, right? Transparency is also one of the keywords on this card. It says, right now, you shouldn't sweep matters under the rug. They will continue to haunt you until they are addressed. Midnight Margaritas is telling you to take a shot. Tequila is hard to swallow, but masking it up with salt, lime, and coconut doesn't make it go away. Set yourself free. Just say what needs to be said. Speaking one's truth will set them free. 
Empower yourself to stay true to your thoughts and feelings. To help bring out your truths, try the following spell. Use a small glass of water, a pinch of salt, and a white candle. Light the candle and sprinkle salt around the glass. Speak the affirmation, focus your energy, and when you're ready, consume your shot of truth. And the mantra on this card is, I illuminate my honesty. Say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Yeah, Gary had that murder weapon in his hand the entire time. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. And speaking of divination and breakfast, <laughs> check out this really cute pancake tarot card print that I found. I'm trying to remember what words I had associated with my pancake card. Do you have all that stuff somewhere? I do. It's over there and I also have a list. I wonder what would you, if you were to make a card, what would you associate pancakes with? Like the traditional tarot or like an oracle card? Like an oracle. Um, Probably comfort or home. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because like pancakes is something that you eat when you just want to be comforted. You just want that like warm hug in the form of food. Mm -hmm. Just eat some pancakes. Like when you're hungover from a night of drinking, pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Hook up that alcohol real <laughs> totally. nice. You just want to be coddled by a little plate of pancakes, right? Very nice. Yeah. But in this instance, this design, which you guys can see this in our show notes, we'll post this for you. In the tarot of, I guess, whatever. I don't know if this was from an actual deck. I think it was just like a one-off design that somebody did. But but in this tarot card design, the tower is being represented by a stack of pancakes, which is really cute. And there's like two little forks on top with a like a pad of butter on top and like all the syrup is dripping down the sides. So the tower card is usually read as an omen of disaster. But this version, it sure isn't unless your version of disaster is too much breakfast food. Whether you're a fan of the occult with a sense of humor or a lover of breakfast food, this tarot card print is a cute, funny choice of occult witchy wall art. So you can buy this design on all sorts of merchandise I found at lookhuman.com. So if you guys want this stack of pancakes tower card design, check it out. We'll link it in our show notes. I like that graphic. It's yeah, very clean. It's really like cute. Mm -hmm. I also found an actual pancake tarot deck on Etsy. It, That's amazing. It says tarot. It says tarot deck, but it looks more like an oracle deck because this mm -hmm. isn't like your traditional tarot deck. Like there's no major arcana, I don't think. I think it's just a deck full of 22 recipes of pancakes okay. with some tasty insights of the major arcana. Okay, so I guess it is. Kind maybe it's of, just the major. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It says hand over your issues to the higher power of the pancakes tarot. Trust. Let your magnificent mind set out on a mission to free you. Pick a card and let your mind set out on a mission to make you think and then smile. And these are handpicked recipes by Safta Gila, I guess is the creator of the deck. And all of the cards in the deck have a different kind of pancake recipe. So I guess like the different toppings for each one and each pancake recipe symbolizes a different card of the major arcana. Cute. So that's a really cute spin on your typical tarot deck. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some pancake magic and lore. Did you know you can predict possibilities with pancakes? I would think it would be almost maybe like water scrying or looking at the bubbles. Maybe what the or bubbles like, are doing in your pancake. Or like tea leaf reading. Like when you pour the batter, whatever the batter makes a picture of. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So this article is from NewCityWitchesCocktailCoven.com. And the name of this article is Predicting Possibilities with Pancakes. So it starts off with a little spell, a little incantation, if you will. It says, mix a pancake, stir the pancake, pop it in the pan, fry the pancake, toss the pancake, catch it if you can. See the pancake, what shape does it make? Gaze into the pan. Show us pancake, what is our fate? Speak, all-knowing flan. 
<laughs> What's a flan? A flan is like a custardy dessert. Oh, oh, okay. It's popular in Latino cuisine. Oh, okay. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Flan. It's really good. Flan, yeah, flan, flan. I like that little incantation. <laughs> Speak. Speak. Oh, no, flan. Speak, flan. Going on uh, to read the article, it says, Most of us know Shrove Tuesday or Pancake Day as the traditional time to use up eggs and milk before the fasting period of Lent. But this was originally a pagan holiday before the Christian era. It was believed that the change of seasons was a struggle between Jarilo, the god of vegetation, fertility, and springtime, and the evil spirits of cold and darkness. People believed that they had to help Jarilo, son of Perun, the thunder god, incidentally, aka Thor, mm. fight against winter and bring in the spring so they they made offerings of hot round pancakes, which represented the sun. Isn't that what I said before? Yes, you did. And burnt them or consumed them as offerings. In Russia, they still celebrate for a full week rather than a day. This week is known as Crepe Week, Butter Week, <gasps> or the Maslanitsa Festival, or Cheese Food Week. <gasps> I'm moving. Yeah, yeah let's <laughs> no, go. No, I'm not moving to Russia. <laughs> it's fucking cold there. I was just thinking oh. about the, the politics. <laughs> that too, yeah, that yeah. fucking sucks too. Offerings are made to the spirits of dead ancestors in hopes they will join the struggle against frigid spirits. Mm. First pancake is usually put on a window as a sigil to show spirits of the ancestors that they are remembered. On the last day of Crepe Week, pancakes and other foods are burnt in a bonfire as a sacrifice to the Jarilo and departed spirits. This year, the author says, I decided to try a form of fortune telling known as molybdomancy, which traditionally uses molten metal to create forms, which can be interpreted as omens for the future. So I guess the metal being the hot griddle, I guess. I don't know. Or well, if it's like hot metal, it's a, like a liquidiness. So maybe like the dense mm -hmm. liquid oh. metal, dense batter. Maybe. She says, we have explored this theory before on the site using chocolate in a cocktail. See chocomancy. But today they say they are using the pancake batter to create these significant shapes to tie in an offering to Jarilo and his eternal fight against the dark. They give a recipe for fateful pancakes. To make up your pancake batter, as you usually would, you mix up two eggs, eight ounces of flour, one pint of milk, and a pinch of salt. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, that's all. That's all you gotta do. Mix the flour and salt in a bowl, then beat the eggs one by one with a fork before adding the milk gradually and continuing to beat the ingredients into a smooth, thick broth. A hand blender gets the lumps out. Should you turn out to be the one unfortunate souls who suffers from lumpy batter, make a frying pan very hot and grease it with a small amount of butter. Having a very hot pan is the secret to good pancake making. That is true. Mm -hmm. The person who is having their fortune read should stir the bowl vigorously three times before taking up a large spoon of the batter and tossing it gently into the pan. So would you stir it uh, in a clockwise motion to bring yeah. you that message, I guess? And then whoop. And then wha-bam! Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, spoon a large spoon of the batter and toss it gently into the pan. A shape will come into being. You want to examine it. It will no doubt suggest many possibilities. It is up to the reader of the fortune to discover the significant meaning of the pancake. The author says, I have given some examples here which you may find illuminating, whether you agree with my interpretation of them or not. She includes some pictures of these interpretations. Click on that link and you'll, if you scroll down, you can see what some of those pancake shapes look like when she pours them into the pan. Okay. The first one is Cancer the Crab or a person with a large brain studying something closely. <laughs> oh, okay. You see it? Oh yeah, I see it. It looks to me like a fetus. It does. Like the placenta, like the pan like the pancake, the placenta. With cake. attached umbilical cord. The next one 
is a, an angry pointed nose person or a witch. Okay. That to me looks like a flounder fish, right? I think it's all up to your interpretation what you see. I like this though because the hot griddle like freezes those little droplets here and there. It's not like something moving around um, that you have to focus on. I like this. It's cool. Yeah, it's like a splatter Jackson Pollock painting with pancake batter, it looks like mm. kind of. An angry spirit is I see uh, the angry spirit. Yep. That kind of looks like a nostril nostrils to me. That a nose or something. <laughs> um the next one is a formless anxiety monster. Okay. <laughs> okay now. Yeah, the next one is uh that kind of does look like a ghost, they say. A ghost haunted by the past. Loch Ness monster. I see a cat playing like like with this big arm oh, out. Oh yeah, a cat play or like is that's its tail wrapping around? Yeah. And that a big paw at the yeah. end. Yeah. So, I mean, it gets, it's all up to your personal interpretation. What Very you see cool. The pancakes, but these are just like, it's a cute idea to incorporate divination into your morning breakfast. You know? It is. If That's really cute. If you're taking practical magic in a literal sense, like, you gotta it's find everywhere. those. You mm -hmm. gotta find those little ways to incorporate your magic. And what better way than when you're making a Sunday breakfast or cooking up some pancakes? So, Ole. I like that. The concept of using pancakes as a divination method is not new to the inhabitants of Newfoundland where small tokens are cooked into the pancakes in the manner of an English Christmas pudding with much the same intent. If you find a coin, you have luck in finance or a heart might bring luck in love. Apparently, a nail suggests that you will become or marry a carpenter, so I guess hope to find a metal nail on your pancakes this year? <laughs> That's so specific. That's a Bersidia Ryan right there. <laughs> Throwing nails in their pancake batter. Maybe I the image know. of a nail? Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully not an actual nail. I hope you don't find nails in your pancakes. Yeah. All right. Tell us about some pancake lore from badwitch.co. Another piece of old folklore is that if you happen to have chickens or a cockerel, you should throw one of the pancakes to the cock. If he eats it all by himself, then bad luck will come to your home. If he shares it with the hens, it's a sign of good fortune. Very nice. And then this heart pancakes for emotional healing and protection from the Green Kitchen Witch on Tumblr. This says, today's witchery was our dinner pancakes. I have these neat little heart-shaped things designed to cook pancakes or eggs into the shapes of hearts right on the pan. So this was our dinner. Uh, she says, you need pancake mix of your choice. Store-bought is fine. I mix mine using milk for extra happiness. Who wrote this? Ina? Ina I don't know. Store-bought is fine. She yeah, store-bought is fine. She says it about everything. So funny. Once mixed, add some spices. Cinnamon for emotional healing. Nutmeg for protection ginger to give that magic strength stir clockwise saying whatever verbal component you prefer mine is usually just saying what aspect of the ingredient i wish to invoke and ending with saying something like let my will be done while i infuse it with energy so mote it be so mote it be yeah right. and give it a little clap Cook on a flat pan, set a little above medium heat. A good hot pan is best for pancakes. Sprayed with oil or butter, vegetable oil, whatever you like to use. If you want the heart shape but can't find the special shapers, which have a special little handle that you can lift them up apparently, you can also use metal cookie cutters. And you can use any shape. They make those cookie cutters in every fucking shape possible. Or you could be like Gary and try to do it uh, balls, hands free, free balling. Freestyle, free ball, free balling. Yeah. Raw dogging. How he be doing that? How he be doing that? Just be sure to spray and oil the inside of the cutters thoroughly before each pancake and place directly on the pan as flat as possible. 
pour the batter into the mold and make sure that the batter gets into all the corners of your shape. Don't fill too much as the pancake usually will rise a bit. Wait until the batter has bubbled thoroughly and the edges are beginning to congeal before using the tongs to gently lift the cookie cutter straight up and flip the pancake. Cook to desired browning and serve with preferred toppings. Cute. I like that because I wonder if there's a design of something that maybe you're struggling with in life, a bad habit, a person that's talking bad about you, something to signify that you're cooking that and then you're just, you just eat it and you consume it and you absorb it and poop it out. You poop it out. And then you put that boob, that boob, then you put that poop in a in a brown bag and you put that poop on their doorstep and you light on fire <laughs> let it on fire <laughs> that escalated really quickly guys don't take advice from us <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny oh man okay all right, all right let's do pop culture take it okay. away okay yeah we're gonna talk about some movies and i guess some songs and music and stuff that okay. all contains Pancakes, right? Pancakes in pop culture. This article is from pancakeswithwaffles.com. So the first film is from Uncle Buck. Do you remember John Candy back in the 80s, 90s? I love that movie. That was yeah. a really good one. Yeah. I miss John Candy. Yeah. R.I.P. Remember, I remember when he passed away. I was so upset. I was like, I was probably like eight years old. And like, I just watched all his movies as a kid. And that was really, that was really mm -hmm. sad. So in movies, a character's domestic worthiness can be proven by his or her ability to bring a nourishing breakfast to the table. The simplest and most graphic expression of this is what John Candy portrayed as the title character in Uncle Buck. Buck shows that he's worthy of looking after the kids by cooking a giant stack of breakfast pancakes and marvels the two young niece and nephews. The pancakes were so big that he needed a snow shovel to use as a spatula. The scene also included a young Macaulay Culkin before Home Alone who was wide-eyed and amused, hilarious and to the point. And it also makes you want to get a piece of that big old pancake. <laughs> so glad he's he's making that comeback, man. Yeah, Macaulay, you pulled it yeah. together. He got a star. He got his star in the Hollywood Walk. He of did. Fame. Yeah, I think both of the brothers are handsome. Like in a kind of like goofy kind of way, awkward kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Not my type, but I, yeah, they they got a unique thing about them. Yeah, you know? he was such a cute kid, right, yeah. Macaulay Culkin? Totally. Remember? The next film we got here, this is one of my favorites as a kid. Another R.I.P. Another R.I.P. This re recently, recently, right? Paul Rubin and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So this was his first movie, which was such a classic. The film itself is an underrated comedy, which is a great parody of the great family films of the period. The sequence shows Pee-wee's idiosyncratic morning routine, which is like the funniest, the opening scene and the best scene ever. So funny. Um, it features his breakfast machine that has an elaborate way of preparing a meal. The machine, which will remind you of elaborate devices from like Wallace and Gromit and Back to the Future, works perfectly well. The pancakes will stick to the ceiling, gross, but <laughs> it delivers a picture-perfect stack of flapjacks. But Pee-wee's inventiveness doesn't stop there. He makes a face out of the pancakes using eggs as eyes and bacon strips for the lips so that he can converse with it in Mr. T's voice. So cute. <laughs> Yeah, so the pancakes, as he's playing with it, asks for a breakfast of Mr. T's cereal on its own. What a weird dude, right? It says He did um, have his own cereal, didn't he? Mr. T, yeah, yeah. yeah. I pity the fool. <laughs> it always bothered me that he ate like two little crunches of the cereal and then he was like, <laughs> and then he went off on his day, right? <laughs> and fucked off. He never actually ate the pancakes, which always pissed me off. But... Again? Yeah, again. Pancakes don't get eaten. 
The next movie we have coming up is Pulp Fiction. I love this movie. I just recently watched this movie again. I don't know if I ever told you this. I have like an obsession with like films that have diner scenes in them. You did tell me that. I don't yeah. know why. I just freaking love diner scenes. They're so cool. That's why you love Twin Peaks so much. That's why I love Twin Peaks so much. Yeah. I have share I share the same fascination with David Lynch. He also apparently loves diner scenes. There's a diner scene in Mulholland Drive, right? Mm -hmm. Is that film? He just always loves a good diner scene. <laughs> so Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino, right? Not David Lynch though. Um, so food, especially breakfast, play a major part in Quentin Tarantino's films. In Pulp Fiction, the narrative was framed over breakfast. In fact, breakfast is how the movie started and how it ended. In the scene, Vincent and Jules are having breakfast together, with Vincent chowing down on a stack of pancakes. Jules talks profusely about the difference between dogs and pigs as Vincent decides to order some bacon with his pancakes. The conversation progresses into a deeper discussion, concluding with Jules telling his decision to, quote, walk the earth and begin his quest for redemption. Redemption is the big theme of the movie, and there seems to be a link between this and the characters' breakfast choices. The characters were shown to eat breakfast ahead of doing something grave and important, and their food is a big indicator of what is to come. Those who like pork, like Jules, has a shot at the future, while those who eat fatty, fried meats like Vincent are doomed. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I've never heard of that take before. And they have this conversation, I guess, right before they decide to, like, hold up the diner. Because, right, doesn't Vincent, he's like, nobody ever thinks of holding up diners. Nobody's going to expect it. <laughs> nobody holds up diners. <laughs> Right? I haven't seen this movie in such a long time. Yeah. Such I only remember the adrenaline to the heart scene. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I ever catch it, on, like, on TV. Yeah. But then, not in this article, but remember the other diner scene? Mm -mm. When uh, John Travolta takes Uma Thurman to that, like, weird, like, hamburger diner? No. And, like, they do, she does the dancing contest. That's where oh, she okay. that dance, right? Okay. Yeah. So they order, like, a hamburger. She orders a milkshake. And John Travolta's like, $5 for a milkshake? <laughs> He's like freaking I out. I wanna dance like Uma Thurman. Yeah, yeah. My cousin was her for Halloween one year, Uma Thurman, with the um Coke blood coming out of the nose. How'd they look? It was great. It was probably Pretty one good. of my favorite costumes of hers. Nice. Yeah. So the next film on this list is Rain Man. I don't remember. This. I only. I think I've only seen this movie like once. But Dustin Hoffman's character has a very strict weekly regimen, and it includes religiously eating pancakes with maple syrup each and every Tuesday. And I guess Tuesday because Shrove Tuesday, right? Pancakes yeah. There you go. The film is already a gem, plus it features Tom Cruise, but the endorsement of pancakes is a wonderful one. Not only does the scene feature pancakes, but it also shows that pancakes can be eaten with toothpicks, not with a knife and a fork. I don't remember this at all. It's a challenge that pancake fans must try to consider, but for most people, they just stick with a knife and a fork or even bare hands. Dude, I love when you have those leftover plate of pancakes and you put them in the fridge and then like the next day, I eat like a cold pancake just like <laughs> by itself. Sometimes I don't even let them come onto a plate. I'll just like bump them right off of the griddle. What about those little silver dollars? The little, little ones? Oh yeah, those little, are fun. Little silver dollar pancakes. Yeah. I don't usually, and I know we're going to have an episode on it, but I don't go for a syrup. I just put no. the butter on and just okay. let the buttery goodness melt my brain. Me all the butter pecan syrup. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, I don't think I've ever seen this movie in its entirety. I always like come in on like different sections of the movie. Mm. Groundhog Day. Dirt. You know what's funny though, is Groundhog's Day is linked with 
Imolk. Is that's it? coming up. Mm-hmm. Punxsutawney oh, Phil. That's right. So Bill Murray's character, Phil Connors in Groundhog Day, was trapped in his existential time loop and kept living the same day over and over until he realized that he needs to learn the right life lessons. Phil was stuck in Punxsutawney and realizes that he has granted an unlimited number of diner breakfasts. In one scene, he seems to order the whole menu at once, piling his table with pancakes and pastries and milkshakes. Much to the disgust of Rita, he shows how life should be enjoyed without consequences. Interesting. So going mm-hmm. against what is Lent, right? Why Shrove Tuesday is Shrove Tuesday. As he says he doesn't have to worry about cholesterol, love handles, or even flossing. But the real message is that the pancakes symbolize empty gluttony, which is what we were talking about before. That no matter how much he takes the same thing, he will end up reliving the same moment. And that is only when he realizes that he must put the food down and do something good for others so he can enjoy his life. Mm-hmm. Interesting message. The next one is The Big Lebowski. Also, I don't think I've ever seen this movie in its entirety. Right. I think I've always seen different ones. Yeah, I've only seen like certain sections of it. So The Big Lebowski doesn't feature the pancakes in a good light as it shows that the German nihilists choose pancakes as their breakfast of choice. The scene shows the group of bad guys are fans of a local eatery's lingonberry pancakes. We didn't get to see the actual pancakes, but the cover of the diner menu features a tall stack of pancakes showing that it's their specialty. The implication of the scene is that the pancakes are a great healer, as it was revealed that Amy Mann's character was willing to cut off her toe for the sake of the kidnap plan, and the lingonberry pancakes were somehow a part of their ceremony. So if the toe-chopping Germans like it, the pancakes <laughs> are really good. <laughs> Isn't Amy Mann a singer? Yeah. Is it the same person? Yeah, I don't know any other Amy Mann. Okay. I didn't know yeah, she it's was- a very specific name. Interesting, yeah. I didn't know she was in a movie. Neither did I. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen this movie in its entirety. I didn't know this movie even featured pancakes. The next one on this list is Gold Member. Again, this movie came out forever ago. I think I've only seen it once in the theater as soon as it came out. This says, perhaps Mike Myers' most memorable comedic performance is in the entire Austin Powers franchise. The comic notes of Goldmember, the character he was also playing besides Austin Powers, and his odd fascination with the combination of smoking and eating was very amusing. Smoke Ew. and a pancake? That's gross. And a waffle? Yeah. Pipe and a crepe? Bong and a blintz? <laughs> I remember that. Bong and a blitz. <laughs> this iconic scene with the visual presentation of actual pancakes with smoking products has birthed the smoke and a pancake catchphrase for the yeah. threequel. It's unusual to offer food and something to smoke combined in one plate, so it's easy to see why Austin was a bit confused. <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't remember disgusting. that at all. There's a scene. Do you remember uh, in Charlie's Angels? That really cool scene of when they reveal uh, Norman Rockwell as the bad guy and he's dancing and he's smoking. Do you remember that? He pulls in a hit of the smoke and then immediately takes a drink of Coke. And I'm like, ew. Like, that's like, ew. No, I don't remember that. There's so many movies that I would watch over and over in like the early 2000s and Mm -hmm. I haven't seen them since. And I'm like, I don't fucking remember any of that shit. (laughs) I just have a super crush on him. That's why I thought of it. I'm like, just like blow the smoke out, dude. Mm -hmm. Oh. One of the movies that I remember a lot growing up, I used to watch this all the time, Matilda. Remember Matilda? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With, uh, such a good movie Mara. her trying to get out of that house oh, so like sad. gives me such anxiety yeah i love danny devito and his wife what's her name ria yeah. ria perlman i don't know i don't know um but they played matilda's parents in yeah the, they played such great like asshole parents mm-hmm. but i felt so bad for her the poor little girl um so in this movie um this is a scene long before our beloved bookworm hero discovers that she has magical powers a fact that makes it 
all the better. She is roughly about five in the scene, but is often abandoned by her family and left to fend for herself because her family are pretty much the worst. With that hanging yeah. over her, Matilda learned to take care of herself very quickly, and one of the things she learned how to make was pancakes with an epic soundtrack <laughs> that always delightfully appears in 90s movies. Do you remember? I think it was the scene where she's making the pancakes, that song. Yes. Such a wholesome, fun song, right? So she makes herself some scrumdillyumptious pancakes for herself, all the while reading the newspaper and feeding her brain with knowledge, while her parents continue to rot their brains with TV uh, game shows and TV dinners, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next film on this list is actually Pippi Longstocking, which One is- One of your favorites. Ah, my favorite. I love her. She's my homegirl. Pippi <laughs> Longstocking is the fictional main character in an eponymous series of children's books by Swedish author Astrid Lindgren. Pippi was named after Lindgren's daughter, Corinne, who asked her mother for a get well story uh, when she was off from school one day. Pippi was a freckle-faced red-headed girl who had superpowers and went on many adventures in the 1946 book series. She's basically a female version version of Peter Pan. She yeah. doesn't want to grow up. She is the daughter of a buccaneer captain who has adventure stories to tell about that too. Her four best friends are her horse and her monkey and the neighbor's children Tommy and Annika. Since Pippi's publication, she has gone on to star in many cartoon and film adaptations, including my favorite, the 1988 feature film The New Adventures of Pippi Longstocking, starring Tammy Aaron as Pippi. Which, by the way, I was obsessed with this movie. Pippi was the very first fictional character that I adhere to. She was adventurous and playful, yet she had this like tough girl thing about her that as a four or five-year-old, I was just in awe of like, I wanted to be her. She um, could lift a horse over her she head. She could lift a horse. She was just a badass chick, right? She was. And her outfit was crazy. She had two different color stockings. Her hair was like up Maybe the that's why I'm obsessed with nautical stuff. Pippi? Her daddy. Her dad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pirate king the pirate king and she just told these like big fish stories like these large yeah. life, like adventurous stories that just captivated you and i just wanted to be her my mom made me a pippi longstocking halloween costume when i was in kindergarten Cute. yeah and she sprayed my hair with like red spray paint or like hairspray and she put wires in mm -hmm. my hair and she made my braids i had two little braids and they were standing up and i just remember just like loving that costume so much i didn't want to take it off there was a rumor going around that my kindergarten kindergarten school teacher was like Pippi's or the girl who played Pippi's next door neighbor but I think she was like fucking with me because like she's like oh this little girl loves Pippi I'm gonna tell her she's my neighbor and that I know her like I think yeah. that's really what it yeah. was like looking back on it but like back then I was like you know Pippi you know oh her? my gosh I'm like yeah I know her I think she was pulling my oh but that yeah, made your little heart like oh my god yeah. I felt like a uh, one step away from Pippi I was like one degree of separation it's possible to meet her right yeah Totally. Yeah, yeah. The one scene, one of my favorite scenes from that movie is the pancake scene because Pippi was all about the pancakes. So in the film, Pippi is traveling on the ship, the Hop Toad, with her sailor father, Ephraim. And the ship encounters a sudden storm caused by a volcanic eruption. And after her father, Ephraim, disappears into the sea, Pippi travels to the small coastal town of Roxby 
accompanied by her horse Alfonso and her monkey Mr. Nielsen, and she takes up residence in her father's abandoned home, the Villa Villa Cula, which is the neighborhood abandoned home, like nobody wants to go by that home. And there's actually property developers or like bankers that come looking for the home, like to like buy it and like get rid of it. it and put up like a mall or like a shopping center or something like that. But she rolls into town and she takes up residence here. And the neighborhood children, Tommy and Annika Setagrin, they believe that the Villa Villa Cula is haunted. Soon they venture into it after seeing lights in the windows at night. So looking for ghosts, they actually meet Pippi, Mr. Nielsen, and Alfonso instead. And soon after meeting in the dark of the night, Pippi prospects them to make pancakes. So by candlelight and the flame of her cast iron stove, they dance around this hodgepodge like kitchen, singing this like simple made-up tune, throwing pancakes at each other. They're covered in pancake batter and flour <laughs> dust, and the kitchen is just a mess. A mess. It's every kid's dream, right? Literally, yes. every kid's dream and every adult's nightmare. Because watching the scene back as an adult, I was like, "Oh my god, they the cleaning. I need to clean that kitchen." <laughs> yeah. So Tommy and Annika's father goes over to check it out, and he walks through the door, and some flying pancake batter smacks his hat right off his head, and he is just appalled over the mess. And he's like, "Who's in charge here?" <laughs> yeah. So he displays disgust <laughs> over Pippi's new presence, and he orders Tommy and Annika to march home and go to bed and warns Pippi that in the morning he's going to get to the bottom of this. So that's the pancake scene. I love that scene. It's like one of my favorite scenes. It's so cute. Just fun. Good fun. It's a lot of fun. There is also a cartoon version of this pancake scene. Like Growing up, I never watched the Pippi cartoons. I always just, like, knew about the movie. I didn't even know Mm -hmm. it was a cartoon until, like, more recently. Yeah, I didn't either. So in the cartoon series, I think there were two different cartoon series, maybe in the most more recent one. There is also a pancake scene, and there's a whole song that goes along with it. Oh. Where she sings, first we'll start with a happy heart and mix with good intentions, a pinch (gasps) of chalk can do no harm, and a dream is good to mention. Stir it all up in a great big cup and shake it with emotion, and then we'll top it off with love because that's... That's the magic potion. Then we try it out to see if we should add some more. There's really nothing to it. There's really nothing to it. All you do is follow. All you do is follow this recipe for life. So that sounds like a magic spell to me. I don't know. She sounds like a witch. Pippi's a fucking witch. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's why I always liked her growing up. I think Pippi was probably one of the first witches before the craft of my teenage years. Like she was just magical being yeah same with matilda exactly so i just i loved her so much there's a website foodinliterature.net a woman posted a recipe for pippy's pancakes and then somebody commented and was like if you really want to make the kind of pancakes that pippy made you should make swedish pankakor it's an easy recipe about 2 dl of flour which 1 dl equals 100 milliliters i don't know how much that is in cups off the top of my head but 2 dl flour 6 dl milk 2 to 3 eggs and a pinch of salt whisk some of the milk with the flour plus the salt make sure there are no lumps pour in the rest of the milk and then the eggs one at a time and then whisk in between let the batter rest about 30 minutes in the fridge the tricky part is the cooking it helps if you melt a few tablespoons of butter and pour it into the batter then use a small amount of butter in your pan if you need to make the pancakes thin and try to flip them in the air serve with jam and whipped cream or ice cream that sounds really yummy we usually use milliliters so one dl maybe a decaliter is 100 milliliters what is 100 milliliters in cups hey google what is 100 milliliters in cups 0.42 0.42 so a little less, a little than, less half than half a cup. cup yeah okay so it would be 
Oh, to oh, the- I'm not converting this. <laughs> no, we're not. Don't listen to our, our calculations. We'll put this recipe in our description if sure. you guys want to do the calculations. <laughs> Continuing with Pippi, there is actually a Pippi Pancake board game, which I didn't know about. This is actually on Astrid Lindgren's website, the author of the Pippi series. Oh, wow. So this says, Pippi and her friends love pancakes and they can eat a lot. Now you have to help collect pancakes for a nice party dinner in the Villa Villa Coola. In the game, Tommy and Annika give you pancakes. The horse, Lily Gubin, helps you go faster and Pippi sends you down a new path where you find as many as four pancakes. But you can also meet a hungry thief who grabs one of your pancakes or the crab that sends you three squares back to the square that luckily can give you more pancakes. Okay. On the other hand, watch out for the officer who holds you back, so you have to wait a turn. If you are the first to finish, you will receive four extra pancakes, but now it gets exciting because the winner of the game is the one with the highest pancake tower at the end. That sounds fun. Very cute. I like that. Do you want to tell us about the old black witch and her bewitching blueberry pancakes? All right. This is from Plenty Sweet Life. Uh, and this was 2015. They say, Happy Halloween, everyone. I'm sharing a favorite children's book today in honor of Halloween. It's not necessarily a Halloween book, but I love it. It's called Old Black Witch by Wend and Harry Devlin. You can order it and read it, uh, read the reviews of this book. They put the link there. We'll also share it. It's the story of a mom and her son who move to New England and open up a tea room. Once they move in, Old Black Witch turns out to be quite the troublemaker. It's a great story and the illustrations are adorable. The book even has Old Black Witch's recipe for bewitching blueberry pancakes on the back cover. So these, it looks pretty standard. You're just adding blueberries. You got flour, baking powder, sugar, salt, one egg, milk, um, some kind of fat or oil, probably for the pan, and add your blueberries. But they say, as you stir in the blueberries, this is the magic part. Say this three times. Gobbledygook with a wooden spoon, the laugh of a toad at the height of the moon. Ooh, like toad, like Jimmy? (laughs) Like Jimmy. Yeah, pour on a hot griddle and watch. You can make things disappear just like the old black witch. Put three pancakes in front of any boy or girl and watch them go. Okay. I'm wondering if this next video is a film adaptation of that old black witch blueberry pancake book. The Um, picture that pops up is kind of scary. Yeah, this film clip is a little frightening. Um, It's like nightmare fuel, basically. Yeah. It was filmed in 68, so it's very gritty looking. Yeah. Maybe it's not supposed to be sinister, but it just looks kind of It does have that uh, creepy, creepy look. So this video clip is from a 1968 short film called The Winter of the Witch. Apparently, it is the story of an old crone of a witch whose home is intruded upon by a woman and her son. The witch, being unable to force them to leave, must learn to cope with her new guests. One way she attempts to placate her new landlords is to fix them breakfast. She presents the young boy with blueberry pancakes, but these are not ordinary blueberry pancakes. The witch calls them, quote, the final solution to the unhappiness problem, end quote. Oh, whoa, these must be some fan-fucking-tastic pancakes. (laughs) And here we are trying to solve the unhappiness problem with booze. (laughs) What fun, the author of this says. When the boy eats these berry-filled mystery cakes, his eyes gloss over like those of a tranquilized ape and color spots fill his vision. So she she basically drugs this kid. Um, Is she Willy Wonka? Maybe. Needless to say, he becomes a fan instantly. The mom tries them and finds the same happy results. When pressed for the source of this joy, the witch insists that the magical ingredient must remain a secret. Probably so the mother and son don't learn how to mix the cleaning chemicals under the sink in the correct proportions themselves. Oh, shit. What? <laughs> oh, what? 
She drugs them with cleaning chemicals. She's slowly killing them. So basically poisoning them, yeah. Plot twist. That's fucking cute. So it is supposed to be sinister, I guess. Wow, okay. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Pretty fucked up. So yeah, if if they learn how to mix, you know, their own pancakes, she'd be out on the street selling magic pancakes to a less savory crowd. Mm. So there is a video of this uh, via YouTube. We will link it in our show notes if you guys want to check out this very creepy rendition of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, what is this? This is Pancakes and Potions by K.E. O'Connor. Is this a book? book? Cozy Witch Paranormal Mystery. Mm -hmm. Get it on Amazon. It's paperback, Kindle Unlimited. I am loving the Kindle Unlimited. Highly recommended. Uh, And this says, in the magical world of Witch Haven, things are not what they seem. The bakery fire destroyed everything, but before I can pick up the pieces, my parents arrived and insist I leave. It's too dangerous to stay in the village. As they bicker over me, I try to piece my shattered life together but it doesn't go well. There must be a way to fix this mess. Things look up when treasure hunters arrive to search for the mysterious Witchhaven gem. They want me to cater for them, and since I'll need money to rebuild the bakery, I take the job. But then a murder takes place, and my knife is found in the victim's chest. Oh, shit. Just when things couldn't become worse, the weather gets strange, and another murder, not murder, murder. takes place. <laughs> What's going on with this weird weather? Who set fire to the bakery, and who is killing the treasure hunters? That, yeah. Woo. That seems like a whirlwind. Pancakes. Oh potions which haven mystery yeah. ebook okay it's a paranormal mystery that's cute it's got a 4.6 star rating on amazon so okay check it out if you guys want a story about murder and pancakes murder murder that's like diamonds <laughs> diamonds let's talk about some songs about pancakes so i did like a quick little spotify search mm-hmm. and there's a few that are like good but there's like also a lot of songs about pancakes that are just super bad and cheesy like okay I didn't bother putting them on this list but the good ones that i found are pancakes for dinner by lizzie mcalpine the next one this is one of my favorite songs banana pancakes by jack johnson you know okay. that song Mm-mm. so cute so cute a f- cute little lighthearted love song and pancakes and butter by jason mraz i love his style of songwriting it's just like that like silky smooth voice and pancake by tori amos which is a little like darker grungier angsty chick take on the pancake and then oh look at this one that made the list oh, what's it's this it's called Can You Flip Pancakes by, uh, I don't know, the Stinas. Oh, shit. No. Yeah. No way. So this is another one of our original Practical Magic inspired songs. This song is from little Antonia's perspective, and she's so excited to welcome Officer Gary Hallett in for breakfast. And he's there to interrogate her mom about the disappearance of Jimmy Angelov. But little does he know, Antonia has a different idea in mind. She puts him to work by flipping pancakes in all different shapes to see if he matches up with the qualities that her mom's Amas Feditas love spell, I guess whatever Sally wished for as a child. So we're going to showcase this song on our next song or so coming out next Friday. So we thought now would be the perfect time to give you guys a little sneak peek of that right here. Can you flip pancakes? So there's a little sneak peek. We hope you guys enjoyed that clip. Uh, So don't forget to tune in next Friday for our process and breakdown on how we wrote that song and also a complete on-air live performance all about the pancakes. 
So we're going to talk about some more recipes. We got a couple more recipes here for you guys, and then we'll get into some dreams. These are cherry pancakes by Ness. And they say, as we know, Pancake Day falls in February. And although it is observed as a Christian festival known as Shrove Tuesday, pancakes or crepes have been around for a very long time, way before that. Pancakes remind this person of their childhood. They say, my mom cooking them one after another for the insatiable appetite of three eager mouths sprinkled with lemon juice and sugar rolled up and demolished in a few forkfuls before asking for another. It was a once a year treat, but these days I think they are delicious any time of the year with various toppings too. So they said, I decided to make some pancakes as they have connection to this month. Eggs for new beginnings, wheat flour for rebirth and milk for imulk. So cherries, you may be wondering, isn't that a little early for February here? This is in the UK. Cherry blossoms and cherries both correspond with new beginnings and fertility. The following is from Rachel Patterson's book, The Kitchen Witch's World of Magical Foods. So cherry, uh, this is talking about the tree, is a deciduous tree with absolutely beautiful blossoms in the spring, followed by delicious cherries. P. Avrium is a sweet or wild cherry. P. Cerasus is a sour cherry, sometimes used for cooking. The cherry always seemed very feminine to me with a stone held inside the womb of the actual fruit. So it makes sense to me that it would be good fruit to use not only for love magic, but also fertility. Use the wood of the cherry tree, stones, or dried blossoms in love incense blends. The stones have long been used for divination purposes. I can remember as a child doing the Tinker Tailor, Soldier Sailor, Rich Man, Poor Man, Beggar Man, Thief rhyme with my cherry stones to see who I was going to marry. I don't recall any of the stones ever saying drummer. <laughs> I guess <laughs> they married a drummer. Married a drummer. You can also use cherry juice as a substitute uh, for blood in ritual workings. They say, I like to use cherry blossoms or the stones in magical workings for new beginnings, drawing on the spring energy. Okay. My grandparents used to have a big old cherry tree in the backyard. We would just climb it and sit up there all day, just popping cherries all day. Mm -hmm. And my great grandmother, the G she was, it was like right outside her bedroom window. Yeah. So she had rigged up like string and bells and like tinkly things in the tree and had a line from the tree through her second story bedroom window that she could just pull and shake so the birds would leave the cherries alone. But oh. sometimes she also used to sit out back with a little BB gun. <laughs> she would shoot the birds out of the tree. That's pretty hardcore. This says cherries magical properties include love, fertility, divination, and beginnings. The ruling planet is Venus. It's associated with the water and air elements and its gender is feminine. Uh, and this says you're going to need four and three quarters ounces plain flour, one teaspoon baking powder, half teaspoon of salt, two tablespoons caster sugar, four and a half fluid ounces of milk, one large egg lightly beaten, two tablespoons of melted butter allowed to cool slightly, or olive oil plus extra for cooking. Is there anything special about the recipe? No, yeah. we, we can link this recipe in our show notes if you guys want to try these cherry pancakes. Yeah. I'm partial to blueberry. I've never put cherries in pancakes. Me too. You can also use chocolate morsels, caramel morsels, the butterscotch. Oh, butterscotch morsels are pretty good. Have you ever had a butterscotch? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or walnuts if you guys like nuts. Or oh, banana, I love banana nut pancakes are pretty mm -hmm. good. Um, You could probably put any Anything in a pancake. My stomach is growling. I know. I'm so hungry. I want pancakes. <laughs> Before we get into dreams real quick, going back to the divination thing really quick, I also found a website that shows you how to do pancake pendulums. So what? So basically, I guess you put the batter on like some kind of string and let it like kind of like flow Ooh. over the pan to make like a design in the pan. That's cool. Yeah, there's a video. There's a video about it. We can put that in our show notes if you guys want to see how you can 
do this pancake pendulum. Yeah, you put awesome. it in basically, I guess, the bottom half of a baster, some kind of baster. Okay. And attach like a string to it, and then you pour the batter in the baster and then let it swoop over the pan. So like whatever design it makes, I guess. That's that cool. You would divine those images or those symbols that the batter makes in the pan. I like that. Yeah, it is pretty neat. There's so much cool pancake art out there. Yeah, yeah. So we'll link a bunch of stuff in our show notes if you guys want to see more of that. Let's talk about dreams and pancakes. What do pancakes mean if you dream about it? Pancakes in a dream are spiritual in nature. They are associated with how we interact in life. If you had a dream that you're making or serving pancakes, then this indicates that your spirit guide is with you and that some exciting and enjoyable times are coming in the future. To eat a pancake shows success in all your undertakings and that life is going to remain calm. If in your dreams you may have eaten pancakes or have had pancakes with sauce or have had sweet pancakes. I've never heard it called pancake sauce. Yeah, wouldn't that just be syrup? It's funny. It's cute. Pancakes with sauce. So I guess like any kind of fruit sauce. Like I've heard of like fruit sauce with like pancakes. Like like People a raspberry. put like marmalade and shit on pancakes too, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Positive changes are afoot if your dream of the the pancakes was a pleasant experience. Here's some detailed dream interpretation. Dreaming of pancakes refers to a family meeting coming soon, but also to good luck. If you have sauce on your pancakes, this means immediate arrangements. Sweet pancakes in your dream means that you have good thoughts and you are a nice individual. A dream of pancakes is a sign that you might argue with relatives and that you have problems with your friends. To dream that you eat delicious pancakes is an omen that you will have good luck in all areas of your life but if a girl dreams that she's eating a wedding cake made of pancakes she may not have luck for a while <laughs> the dream that you eat a pancake can foretell a loss to dream that you eat a fluffy and tasty pancake means that you will be lucky in the courtship of a person you want to marry an old and dry pancake is a sign that you will be disappointed in love dreaming about pancakes can refer to a period of poverty if you receive a pancake in your dream this foretells happiness if your pancake falls on the ground, this is the omen of a baptism ahead. What the fuck? Come okay, on, come on. Who, who writes these rules? The dream about pancakes, according to ancient dream dictionaries, can suggest richness. Interesting, because didn't it before it says it said poverty before? So yeah, getting mixed signals here. Yeah, what the fuck? If you eat pancakes in a dream, your work will be rewarded soon, and you will not need to suffer anymore. Your hopes for a good business and life will come true. Having pancakes in a dream suggests that you will enjoy abundance and you will be content. Pancakes with fruits mean that you will enjoy a reward. Making pancakes in a dream means that you will have a strong personality and will be able to run your household with strength and economy. If in your dream you do not allow pancakes to be burned, your plans will work but they will be uncertain. Dreaming about pancakes in an oven means hope. Seeing pancakes in your dream means that you might not join a party to which you have been invited to but also luck and success in business. <laughs> I don't know. If in your dream you eat pancakes, this means loss. If you are eating alone, you suspect an enemy is near you and you will do everything possible to discover that powerful enemy. And to flip the pancake in the pan is a suggestion that good family times are ahead. So some feelings that you may encounter during a dream of pancakes will be happy, surprised, content, amazed, curious, enjoying, and of course, hungry <laughs> we did another episode where the list of dream interpretations was so long and what? varied i can't remember what episode it was though 
crazy. All right. What does Presidia have to say about pancakes? She's got a short and sweet one. It says, and this actually fits very nicely with the uh, the scene and um, the dynamic between Sally and, and Gary. This oh. says, we dream about pancakes. You will feel a deep mutual love for another person. Mm-hmm. And if it's flipped pancakes, you will enjoy passionate physical love for another. If you choose to pursue this, it will occur very quickly. That is kind of what happens in the movie, right? Totally, yeah. yeah like it. Presidia never fails. Disappoints. Disappoints. She's yeah. short to the point. She likes her results in three days or less. Okay. Or <laughs> <laughs> your money back. Oh, Guaranteed. Like yeah, exactly. Perfect. I liked this episode impatient. after our heavy slut talk oh, for the yeah. last couple weeks. For sure. Yeah. This was a nice and sugary topic. It's going to get even more sugary here on out because we have Can You Flip Pancakes or Song of Soap coming up next week. And then the week after that, we're going to deep dive into all the syrup and syrup and witchcraft and Julian cool. syrup recipe and all the syrups. Awesome. So it's going to get pretty sweet. This, this part is right. I like it. Um, but that's all we have for you guys today. If you guys do want to support the podcast on Patreon, you can support us for as little as $1 a month. That's our seedling tier. And that gets you access to our patron-only polls where you get to weigh in on what topics you would like us to talk about next. It also gets you our monthly calendar so you can see what topics we have coming up for the month. And it also gets you a welcome shout out on the show. Our $3 Lavender Bud tier gets you our show notes for each episode in an aesthetically pleasing PDF. Our after hours posts, if there's any extra tidbits or behind the scenes info pertaining to any of our episodes, we'll post those along with a blog post or extra photos. And access to our specially curated Spotify playlists. We have created playlists for our WMSR episodes as well, as well as production dream playlists for each song episode and more. Our $5 Lilac tier gets you access to our private Facebook community where we host a monthly live stream. Plus, you'll get access to our Discord server where we host our monthly watch parties. And also on the Discord, you can join in on the discussion with other Magnolia Street neighbors via the various interesting channels and threads. And then here's the uh, $8 Rose tier. This gets you access to extra audio-visual content such as a once-a-month full-length video episode, unlimited bonus videos, uncut footage, cutting room floor footage, bloopers, outtakes, meditations, exclusive interviews, and old home videos from the vault, or spell or ritual videos, and more. Uh, it also gets you bonus content to coincide with our song episodes, such as full-length demo streams of our original practical magic-inspired music, plus lyric sheets, guitar chords, and original scratch demos, or bonus video performances of our songs and more. Lastly, we have our $15 Wisteria Vine tier. Just like a twisting Wisteria Vine, there's a way for you to stay connected with us, the Stinas. In this tier, we invite you to join our private Marco Polo video messaging app. The app is totally free for both Android and iOS. Sign up with your phone number or email and we will help you do the rest. This is a great way to chat with each other in a more intimate group setting face-to-face via video recording. We love to show each other our pets, our gardens, or anything else you'd like to share. And just a reminder that the higher the tier you sign up under, the more rewards you get because you get all of the rewards of the tiers below it. You can upgrade or downgrade or even cancel at any time. So to support the podcast, head to Patreon patreon.com slash magnolia street podcast yeah and there are additional ways to support us and our podcast that don't cost you any money if you do listen on spotify please give us a star rating if you listen to us on apple Podcasts, please give us a written review we love sharing those on our instagram and if you're on instagram we would really appreciate any reposts or blurbs about our podcast and make sure to tag us at magnolia street podcast in your feed posts, stories and share us with your practical magic love and friends 
And yeah, if you guys have any comments or questions or want to get in on the pancake talk, shoot us an email over at magnoliastreetpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to know your inputs. And I guess we can end it here. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Like Short a little pancake. And to the point. Yeah. Like a little pancake. <laughs> so try some of those recipes. Let us know how you guys enjoyed any of them. And yeah, tag us on any of your posts on social media. We're at, at Magnolia Street Podcast on Instagram. That's all. Sounds good, man. Stay tuned we'll for see coming you later. I'm going to go eat. Yeah, me too. Pancakes? Nah, ham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Christina. I'm Christina, and we'll see you next time. At the house on Magnolia Street, would you go down to Magnolia Street with the mysterio wilds? At the house of magic and mystery, so would you go down to Magnolia Street with the pancakes? Pancakes. Pancake.